Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice Hate Productions. Hello everyone, welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 86, The Filler Show. That's right, we're talking to you in the for in a couple of weeks as Chris will be off in the vacating world and will not be recording regular pre-record this for everyone just so he's off. So, of course, I went to all of my folks who joined us. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good. How you doing, Ed? Good. And, of course, our producer extraordinaire and soon-to-be vacationing, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going? Good, thanks, Ed. I know I keep saying it's a vacation, but you say it's not a vacation. Like, you're not going there to have fun or do anything enjoyable. Uh, I, I really should stop, you know, that attitude on it. It'll be fine. I just know that it's a lot of a lot of seeing family and that's a lot, a lot of predetermined stuff. But you'd rather go. Like, I would rather take either to Star Wars and you know yeah. I go go to Batu, build a lightsaber. That would be a nice vacation. But hey ho, not meant to be. Wigan, it is. <laughs> See, it's funny too because you said, "Well, nobody would go to Wigan for vacation." I'm like, "Well, I might." I think I, I like I said that I think I was somewhere near there is where we saw. Uh, solo when I was on vacation by going there for the same reason when I went there genuinely. You were, that was in Scotland, so you would have been in Stirling, I think, because where you Sterling, were watching Solo. Right, yes. oh, so right, that's well, only like a five-hour drive away. All right. Well, my geography in the UK is not very good. My yeah, geography in the, U- in the US isn't very good. Well, yeah, but five hours in the US would be nothing. You know, but, that, that that would be a partial day drive. You know, the, the, this, is, this is the equivalent of somebody flying from Europe to America. I'm going to a troll. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I could right. go anywhere in America, but I'm choosing to fly to a troll. <laughs> but in, fa- in fact, I'm landing. I'm flying in to um, what, what's a five-hour drive from a troll, but would be somewhere you'd at an international so, airport. By Philadelphia. So legitimate. Oh, no, no, no New York. New York for us is probably about seven to eight hours, but like legitimately, like you can get to like, cause my, my wife's originally from the East side of the state. They're from the Philadelphia area. If we were, if I were to get on the turnpike right now and drive there, I would be there in about five hours. Yeah. So I'm going to fly into Philadelphia and not look at, I'm not going to run up the steps and try Adrian. I'm going to jump in the car and drive to Latrobe for my holiday. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I, I get the analogy. No, I really do. Well, it's it's like flying to Minneapolis and then driving to Omaha. That's pretty much what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a, that's another fair comparison. I don't want to see the FFG get uh, the games center. Games. I don't want to do any of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're you're driving to Omaha, which has a zoo. I guess you could see our world-renowned yeah. zoo. Wigan doesn't have a zoo. It's got a drug problem. This <laughs> yeah. unemployment, that... a high a high death rate. Probably isn't still that... got the highest teenage pregnancy rate in the UK. Isn't that similar to a zoo? I think it's similarly trove. I mean, if we're going to keep drawing that comparison, yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> and right, I apolo- so... Hey, I do apologize if you hear my cat. I have all the noise canceling I can put on, but if you hear the cats in the background. I apologize. I'm just letting them be cats tonight. So. Oh, good. Um, I, I'm in the store, and there's just been ambulances and fire engines driving past. So I don't know if my noise canceling got that. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't hear it. So I think it picked up just. So I just kind of go into like legitimately. We have no topic. We literally recorded a show two days ago. Um, so nothing new has come out in the last 48 hours for us to talk about. Really? Is I mean I know that I know that AMG was continuing I, to do. I do have some follow up on it, but yeah, I'll let sure. you finish your point. Well, just point so you don't... 
my point was we didn't weren't going to have a ton of content. It was mostly just going to be a shoot shit a little bit stuff we want to be names, all that kind of fun stuff. Not not really very strong. However, Chris is going to interfere with that and go, hey, I got some stuff we can talk about, so let's go ahead. Let's do that first. So basically, um, I've been really impressed uh, how little negativity has been. That the negativity that has been has been pretty vocal, but I've uh, not seen a bunch on... First of all, I do want to give credit to our uh, folks in our Discord because I didn't see any negative. I saw more than enough people going, no, this this makes perfect sense. This is absolutely something that was all of them. Maybe this one change, like, and it's usually, it's the 12, it's the 12 turn. It seems to be, um, but even at that, I don't see any like flamethrowers in our discord. And I have to admit, like I've be- definitely backed away from Facebook for the most part. It's just a, it, it's the new Twitter. It's the old Twitter. My point being, it's a cesspool of just like echo chambers and vile, opinions um but so I, I did I'm, manage I'm in to the sh- uk i'm in the uk x-wing group and i'm in the fly better x-wing group and like, there's a couple of vocal like naysayers but it's the same naysayers in both groups like three three people egging each other on with ne- negativity whereas in like yeah, they just everyone else it. seems to be like the vast majority of people like the worst take from everybody else is like yeah mate let's, let's try it and see what happens which that, that's like the worst. There's a bunch of people like we are like really excited to see what when it comes with it. And I I played one game last night where I was going to ask. We about we didn't that. play a turn went we didn't do we didn't do the twelve turns because uh, I had um, like receiving to get done and stuff. So I wanted a defined time limit. So you know what I did? We just played seventy five minutes because no one can stop me. But right. we rolled for random initiative at the start of the game. Just that's probably what we mean by random initiative. Like the same as if you were tied on points now, you'd roll for it. Um, so. so we did that and we did the deficit scoring. And I uh, I spent all 200 uh, and he had a two point bid, I think. Uh, well, not bid, but like a, a deficit. And we, uh, yeah. Um, or maybe it was the other way around. I can't remember. One way or the other. But one of us gave the other person two points and it was like irrelevant. I played, I actually looked at, I'd never do this because it's just extremely salty. I did it while I was waiting for him to set his dials. But I had Fenrow, so I played Bubba Fett, Fenrow, and um, Unkar Put. It's really similar to a list I was flying right at the start of 2.0. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll just revisit this, see if it's still good. And I, I, the honest answer is I don't know because I didn't roll any paint. So um, I mean, that's really disingenuous. My I had average dice because my dice up until everything was dead apart from Bubba Fett, who only had one health left, were terrible. Once Bubba Fett only had one health left, he rolled nothing but evades for like five more rounds to that drag out. It... I, just to keep me locked into this game, I was already mentally checked out of. <laughs> but because I'm a dick, I wouldn't concede. I'm like, yep. no, we'll play it out. I'm going to get another turn. But um, what's it? I had, he was running two, Liam, I put him a couple of times with this list now. It's uh, 10 numb in the B wing with an ion cannon. Braylon, uh, and the title, I think. Braylon with an ion cannon and the title, I think. One of them has, one of them doesn't, so whatever. Uh, he never used the title, so it doesn't really matter. Um, right. Then, what's the other one? He had two Z95s with ion missiles and ap5 to coordinate 
And he just fires up an eye on something and then just tries to keep it out until it's dead and just rinse repeat kind of thing. Um, and but he got he managed to squeak a shot. I couldn't dodge out of arc with Slave One and um, a boost from Bubba Fett. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of arc, so I, I was at range for the of one Z95, and like the, the second turn of the game, I was trying to like jock, jockey for position and everything, however you want to term high skill X-wing play. <laughs> and um, he rolled two hits. I rolled my three of eight dice and got nothing, no paint at all. So okay, well those two shields off of effect. You did it. Well done. Um, and then we just kept rolling. And I, okay, so there's a there's a damage on Fenro. Uh, the, those um, half points off on Kaplot, and it's, everything was just taking damage uh, every time we were taking pot shots. And then I got, I managed to chip away 10 numbers. Was, I'm going to try and get the B wings off the table first. Um, I got 10 numbers down to no shields, and I've got, okay, so it's range one shots from Fenro and a range one shot from Bubba Fett, with Bubba Fett having two re rolls and his focus, and then just nothing. 18 dice. One damage. That's the word. And this is against a B wing with one agility. I, yeah. And so I looked at it. It's it's about eighteen dice into a B wing with the mods that I had was about a hundred to one chance to happen. And I was yeah. like, okay, I well, guess that's okay, how but, but like I said, my my dice were fine because once everything was dead and I had Bubba Fett down to one health, he did awesome. He ripped through the rest of um, Ten Num. He got Braylon down to half. He killed AP5. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, one health of that ran rampant for like six more turns. Oh but God. the game was done. He killed me as the timer went. So literally, it kept me locked into the game for a full 75 minutes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But. Ultimately, the the story moral of the story was that the deficit didn't matter, and the random initiative didn't matter. And did Jimmy you count, here did, you, did, did you count your rounds? I was going to ask the exact same question. Uh, no, we didn't count rounds at all. I didn't even um, bother like worrying about it. I would have. I would have loved to have been like. We're not going to use it, but I'm just kind of curious to see how long it. T- Once you start getting conscious of something, like even in my head, I've been all right. Let's turn four, turn five. Like I would have started counting that. We'll see how it goes. Yep. So other than that, uh, since we are kind of in the just shoot the shit kind of mode, I've been playing a ton of 40k in the last 48 hours. It's <laughs> one of the things that um, having a 16 year old who's like, hey, I've got a list I want to try. Hey, I've got a list I want to try. So we played a game on uh, last night, Friday night, um, where I decided to break out. I- I've been losing. So a little bit of context behind this. I have lost every single game I have played against my 16-year-old son since he started playing, since he got serious about playing 40K and building his own list and doing his own thing. Um, the first game that we played, I intentionally sandbagged that game. I intentionally fed him. It's because I wanted him to win the game. Fancy you saying this again, second time. Oh, are you committing this to podcast now just so that when he listens? But man, I didn't win that first game. Oh, he knows. He man. knows now. He knows. He absolutely knows now. Um, that I absolutely uh, sandbagged that that first game. I haven't won a single game. Haven't won a single game, especially since he selected Death Guard as his army, and it's so oppressively good. Um, in comparison to the two armies that I have uh, to field against it, it's just they are a very strong army. Having such a high toughness, um, being able to—I I jokingly refer to his codex, codex, 
because he can literally throw down mortal. He can throw down mortals in almost every phase of the game. And there's nothing you can do. There's legitimately nothing you can do. There's no saves, no nothing. You're just going to like eat and slowly but surely he just takes away at you. You think that an army that was as slow as his does would have more difficulties, but it doesn't. Um, it's really, really good. And, and to his credit, I will give him full credit. He's definitely picking this game up faster than anybody else that we're playing with. He's definitely getting to that matrix level where he's the game behind the game and he will make moves that don't make sense until two turns later when you realize, oh, that's what he was. And by the time you figure out what he was doing, it's too late. He's already scored the victory point. There's nothing you can do. Um, he's, he's, I'm again, I'm, I, if he listens to this, he's gonna, his head's going to swell as he's hearing it. Um, but he's definitely easily becoming the, one of the hardest players that I've played against. And I've played against really good players uh, who have done well nationally. And he's getting, he's getting up there. In any case, so I hit him with something that he had never seen before. That's kind of one of the things, like, he's adapting to the environment that he's in. It's kind of like the uh, the uh, the fish in the fish tank, the goldfish in the tank. It gets as big as the fish tank is, but that's all the fish tank, it, all the fish knows. And you put it in something else and it doesn't know how to deal with it. So I threw him with an army he hadn't played against, which is the Tyranid. And I did all the, the early turn to uh, Tyranid shenanigans stuff with him where I was slingshotting 20-man gene stealer squads into his super-duper Deshroud Terminators that kill everything that they touch and killing them before they could attack, um, blowing up a couple of his tanks. Legitimately, he had a moment in the somewhere in the mid-second turn of that game going, I'm going to lose this game. Like, holy cow, this army is so much better than the other stuff that Dad's been throwing against me. And then he pulls it back. <laughs> so then he still, uh, he damn near, no, I think he did. I think he ended up tabling um, taking every every model off the board and then crushed me on point. So then I'm like, okay, so that list didn't work. My idea didn't work. What I thought was going to work because while I did, the, the Tyranids are a cool glass cannon of an army like that. You're, you're supposed to earn all your points two to three turns because they just don't have the same power to last four and five um, and usually end up getting wiped off the board, which is exactly what happened. And I didn't earn enough points in the opening to, to justify. So then I tried something different today when, of course, he's like, hey, well, let's, let's play another game. So we set up another table, got another table going. And for the first time in like 12 games, I eked out a win by four points simply because I tried a different secondary that I thought was going to work well with my army. And I think I'm going to continue to use it. That there was, I just literally, it came down. We both maxed out on primer. He, ta he basically tabled me. I was down to one Annihilation Barge, one model left on the board, killed everything else off the board. Because of the way that I had played it, I had gotten all of my primaries. I'd gotten most of my secondary off points to be able to squeak out, squeak out a four point. And of course, as we're recording this now, he's probably upstairs waiting for me to get done so we can play another game. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm but you, next time you won't get that four point win. He'll have the strategy to keep you from getting that. Yep, exactly. He So it's it's one of those things like you you it's a one trick pony kind of thing. So I did that one trick and it won and it won me a game and it's never going to work again because he's going to see it coming. Yep. Beyond that, I didn't get a chance to talk about it a lot in the last episode like I wanted to. Um, but the D&D the &D group, of course, is about ready to go on a bit of a hiatus until until November. So we are doing some filler, um, fill, uh, fill the gap, palate cleansing kind of games. And I finally, finally, Alien Earth. Uh, we've already got folks signed up. If you haven't, but uh, if you have any interest in any way, shape, or form of G Group, here the lack of focus team. By all means, please do uh, hop over into our channel there. Uh, I think right now we have at least, to my knowledge, four players committed um, to playing, myself included. So that's probably a good start, to be honest with you. Like, if it didn't get any bigger than that, I'd probably be okay with it. But if anyone is interested, I mean, we are. It, it, by all means, please please hop in Discord and uh, announce your intentions to the rest of the team. 
Um, so I already know the module that we're going to be running. We're going to be running one of the pre-constructed that came in the starter box, but I've decided to pull a modification because having played it, having read over it, there's a couple of things that I don't particularly care for. I didn't care for them when I was playing it, so I don't want to inflict this on the other people. So thinking a few minor bit, and I've been having a ton of fun with it. So um, rereading the rule books, rereading the scenario, and then I'm genuinely, genuinely debating while Chris is gone if I can squeeze in another one in that time frame. A different module, uh, uh, someone, another author who works with Free League themes. This is not an official module, but it's another module that this, other, that this author wrote um, that I'm debating running it. It's a shorter module, so it should only take us like two sessions to play it. And I'm debating if I can get that kicked off, if I can read it and understand it enough to get it kicked off. Not this upcoming Monday, the following, to see if I can get that going. So if anyone has any interest whatsoever, by all means, let me That's it. That's all I've been doing. It's 48 hours. There's not a ton of stuff to cover. <laughs> I went out and got crickets for my, my kid's frog. I did that today, too. There we go. All right, so this is a complete complete aside. I have, so in, I want to say he got the frogs in the, he got these two tree frogs, and they're fantastic. They're cute, and he absolutely paid for them with his own money, saved up his own money to get them. And their primary diet is uh, small to medium crickets. And I have struggled, I mean really struggled, to find crickets locally here in the area because every time crickets come in, they're already gone. And I, one point, so at some point in time I asked, I'm like, well, why are crickets so hard to find? You got to figure this is a common thing that people would, would need for the pet you're selling here. And the woman that I spoke to said, well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are four major cricket farms in the United States and they are all based in Texas. So when yeah. Texas got all of that snow and ice and all the power outages and stuff like that, their crop of crickets and cricket larvae all died. So they are slowly trying to get back up to standards, but they haven't gotten there yet. So like, and, I thought that yeah. was an odd thing. I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Four major cricket farms in the U.S., all of them located in, which under normal circumstances was probably a good idea, except when you get an unprecedented historic ice storm that shuts down power and freezes out of state for or more yeah you would think though that they would have like a you know like an indoor facility that would have heat because you know i know texas is a hot state but in the winter time it does cool down a little bit you know you would think that they'd have kind of like you have greenhouses you know for plants you would have greenhouses for cricket you would would think but who knows you know I, i don't know what their business is or like that but i've noticed that when i go in the pet store to get Food for my cats, so, you know, always by where the register is, that's where they have the crickets. And I didn't realize it, but thinking about it now, you know, they've been out of crickets for a while just because, I mean, they probably get them in in the interim, but everybody's getting them and buying them, you know, because a lot of amphibians eat, eat crickets. So, you know, it's kind of like feeder fish for yeah, like, exactly. you know, piranhas and all the, all the big, uh, you know, cichlids and things like that. It's probably the same thing if something like that happened to the fish farms. It's gotten to the just... point, Sean, that like I've know I know the days that crickets show up to four pet stores in my local area. Yeah. Because if I can't go to this one pet store on Tuesday whenever they come in, I have to go to that one on Wednesday because that's when those come in. Go to the other one on Friday because I mean, or I went to the one I went to today where they come in on Saturday and I was there when they opened so that I yeah. can be the first in line to get them because they're going to be because legitimately it works like this: the shipment comes in and they're gone by the afternoon. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I think it is around here because I've gone in and to the pet store like on a Wednesday uh, after work and stuff, and you'll have people in there. Hey, I heard you got crickets today. Yeah, we sold out. You know that type of thing. So, yep, it's it's kind of crazy, but yeah, don't. Like, at first, I wanted to be like, it can't be, it can't be COVID. Like, how could COVID possibly affect 
cricket farms like maybe distribution maybe i could see that i could almost see that but like like we're well past that at this it's not that it, they're still recovering from the texas ice storm yeah that is pretty cool you know it's it's always good to have that information you know because yeah. if if you want to get frogs or other you know lizards or other amphibians that eat them you may want to think twice right now until that catches back because well, exactly be like I wish the woman that we, when we bought the the frogs would have told us that. Like, I'd have been like, maybe this isn't the right time to buy one because it's going to be or, or or you get one instead of two. Right, exactly. So you know. for for Ed's amphibian corner, um, here's a little helpful tip. The, one of the other things that you can feed uh, aside from crickets is good old standard millworm. And I know millworms yep. because our family fish a lot. So you can yep. walk into any bait store and get millworms because those weren't affected <laughs> by those. Right. They don't like them as much, but they, you can feed frogs, those frogs, or at least the, the African or the Australian tree frogs, that we, otherwise known as, even though they're... Hmm. Interesting. Maybe they turn white, you know, during mating Maybe. Who knows? Who we knows? We did apparently get a male and female. It was they, they were small at the time when we got them, but we did apparently get a male and female, and apparently um, they, they live, obviously, in his room, and he will tell me that he will wake up at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning to frogs who are, like, giving off the mating calls kind of thing, and I'm like, I've mm-hmm. never heard a peep out of those things. <laughs> Well, at least you make him suffer and not everybody else, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, cool thing for me that happened today is I got, uh, I spent a hundred bucks on the Rise of the Dro collector's edition book. Yeah, I saw you asking Greg about that. So is that, yeah. is that a, a 5E thing or I didn't even know what that it, was. It, it is 5E. Um, it's based on 5E, but it's. By a company, AAW Games, the company. And uh, basically, you know, it's just more on, it's like background and then they have modules and different things and characters and stuff for the, uh, for Dro and Underworld stuff. And, you know, it's all built out in 5E. Um, But it's really cool because, you know, I have have the box set Mesoborazin from 2nd Edition. I and remember that one. I have that one. I, I think I have So I have that. I have that. And then I have the Ruins of Undermountain. Ah, which that's is, a great one. Yeah, I have both those sets. So for my Wednesday, now Friday game group, um, I'm thinking about running a camp, list of, you know, an off and on campaign through that, through Undermountain, but using Mesoborazin as the, as the, it's kind of an offshoot, we'll call it, you know, so it's not just Undermountain. I'm a huge, humongous fan of D&D Underworld. Like, yeah. having having Overland Adventures are great. They're fun. They're easy, you know, that type of thing. But when you get into the Underworld, it changes a lot of the methodology of playing D&D because you're in tight spaces. So things like Fireball don't work as well. Lightning Bolt is more restricted, you know, just those types of things because you're not in wide open spaces you're in you know three to six foot you know narrow narrow uh, walk areas you know with creatures attacking you and stuff and then big, you can open a big thing too because your character is yeah. like your vision character if it's straight up min maxing really good and you don't have the vision for it yeah that becomes an issue correct yeah vision you know so torches matter having torches or having this is the thing that bothers me about fifth edition is, you know, it kind of just gives you crap, you know, like the cantrips are free and things like that, where back in first edition cantrips, you still had to learn them. You know, they weren't, if the way you played it, of course you could give it, you know, you can do anything you want, but you're not just given the light spell. So like when yeah, we go to, they still took up spell slots. You had to learn them. They took pages in your, in your, in your um, book, spell book, in your spell book. Right. And you had to, you know, 
if you were carrying just a traveling spell book, you might only have, you know, a minimum, you know, a limited amount of spells, you know, because no wizard's going to be stupid enough to bring his entire spell book. And second edition was a lot different, too, because the way you got spells was different. You couldn't just watch somebody cast a spell and, ooh, now I've learned it. You, know, you yeah. had to find it. You had to find it. And you could you could fail in your, you know, the learn the. Uh, you you know your percentage to learn you roll to see if you learn it and you could fail that and never learn the you know yeah, there so there's all those other additional modifiers like they generic the modifiers when third edition came out to just plus one to that they got rid of all the things like the Ben bars lift game thing yep, spell yep. failure stuff like that yeah they they got rid of all of that and I always thought that that integral part of the game that when I made the trip to the third I. Really because pick locks was another one they yeah think yeah. Went pick, yeah pick locks the hide and shadows pick locks yes, um yes. you know the the stuff that made rogues or thieves rogues and thieves just isn't there anymore it's a it's a skill check now rather than you know you go up a level and you have so many percentage points you can put in your skills you know to where you may be a better pick pick locker than a pickpocket or you may be a better pick locker than hiding shadows or you know whatever your goal with your with your rogue was and it's i love i love first second edition i love that time frame of D more than fifth edition is probably the closest i've seen come back to that but it's still a video game you know oh you're gonna love you're gonna love the people that i bumped into the game well and and that's just it it's you know i'm in a dm uh, you know, group on Facebook and stuff. And, and it's funny because, you know, you, you see the, you could tell the older DMs from the newer or the newer, a newer, little more, a little more seasoned. Are you trying to say a little more strict, you know, where it's the, you know, would you allow a character or would you, there was a question that came, I can't remember it directly, but it was something to the effect of, you know, would you allow a player who wanted to play a, you know, uh, some you know, there's 200 and some odd creatures in D and D. Would you allow them to play, you know, some weird ass creature? And and guys like hell no, you know, there's no way in the world. It's I would go if I if if I run in D and D, it's base character. Yeah, and then second or first edition base character. There's no tieflings. There's no dragonkin. There's no none of that. If I was running Dragonlance, yeah, you could be the the Dragonlance, you know, dragon whatever they're dragonborn. In Dragonlance, but if they, I'm running, they were, they were Dragonkin in Dragonlance. They're Dragonborn now. Okay, yeah, the Dragonkin. Then. Yeah, they the don't one... explode when they die. Yeah, yeah, the one with the hoop packs, you know, the yes. stupid, stupid hoop pack thing. Um, you know, like if 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 I were running a fifth edition campaign, it would be on second edition rules. So it's so, interesting that you said that. So I, I, I just to interject real real quick. So when I went to the games for today, pick up another pot of paint. Um, I heard conversations very nostalgic, mm-hmm. very familiar, and then I heard the term "thacko" get Love thrown it. out. And then my my head, favorite term in D anD D. And then my head popped up. And what is going on over there? And just like you said, like there. So there. What I saw at the table was an older guy, probably a little bit older than I am, to myself. And there they were. Second edition books laid out on the t- the old DMG, the old player, those old player option ones, like the they look like fake leather, you know, mm-hmm. fighters handbook, and then the, yep. you know the elf handbook sitting out there. Like, yeah, those like, those like, those were the books that started to ruin D anD D because those were the those were the kit books. Correct. You know, but, and that's 
you saw those turn into third edition and it became all the little things that you could be outside of just a regular fighter paladin uh ranger type thing you know that's where the ninja came from was one of those right right my, my point though is what i found fascinating aside from the fact that they were actually genuinely playing second edition Dungeons dragons was the, the players at the table were all younger young early 20s to maybe low 30 the four players that were sitting there and of course i heard the term thaco so of course i wandered over there i'm like oh what is going and of course i'm like like they're in mid-game it was, i had to have been a complete ass um mid-game and of course i stop everything that's going on and start having a conversation with the dm having a conversation and they were they were fine uh so long story short they were you know they were disillusioned with like they kept hearing from other players oh we guys think fifth edition is out you should have played back in the so what they did is they went out on the internet and found a guy who's only ever played second like first edition and second edition stopped his evolution uh, for D&D at second edition um, advanced Legends. never went into third edition, didn't do three, five, didn't, didn't five, didn't do any of that stopped there. And it was fascinating to hear all of them talk about it and how, like how much, how much better of a game they felt it was having come from played fifth edition coming into this and how much more detailed it was, how much more enjoyable of a game. It was funny to me to hit there, sit there and say, but man, the books are damned expensive to get a hold of. Cause some of this stuff out there is really hard to find. And of course I'm, I, I, of course, looking at the shelf of first and second edition stuff right over here. And I'm like, I got that. I got that. I got that. And even the DMs like, oh, do you have this one? Do you have this one? I'm like, yep, I got that one. He's like, oh, man, I've been look. He ended up paying. Uh, he got the the first edition um, Unearthed Arcana. Ended up paying one hundred and twenty five dollars uh, on eBay this past week because he needed it for the session that he was in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got that one on the shelf, too. It was kind of crazy. So long story short, what what does Ed do when he finds like I I got the number I got I got the guy's number and it, it, they're going to begin they get together every other Sunday for good old fashioned second edition Dungeons and Dragons at my local store and if I hadn't walked in on a random Saturday to pick out a pot of paint I'd have never noticed it but I think I'm debating I'm genuinely debating like. I would love to play good old second day. So like when I'm done here, I'm going to pull out the old, Oh, there you go. The fact. So, so these, what we did is when we played D and D we played, you know, of course, second edition and everything else. This was my fighter character Cirque. And what we did is we made hit hit point cards that had at the top, the zero to 10 and then the minus one to, you know, minus 10. So, Everybody who bitches and moans about, you know, trying to figure out Thaco, because, you know, Thaco is literally a 21, it's 21 uh, points, you know, yeah. of of potential armor that you have. 10 to minus 10, minus 10, you know, and if you don't like minus 10, for whatever reason, I think the, the biggest complaints that I always heard about Thaco was the fact that minus 10 is stupid to be the, you know, the, the high armor class then fucking flip it yourself. You yeah. know, if you're going to bitch about it, flip it. And what what brought this up is I was looking on Facebook and how I found out about this draw book was on Facebook. They had an advertisement on my Facebook. So that's why I asked Greg if it was legit, you know, because I didn't know if it was legit or not. And yeah, he said, yeah. Something like that. You know, so he said, yeah, you know, it's it's a, oh, this will bring back memories, Ed. The old character sheets, second edition character sheets. Look at oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is my so this is this is Cirque. So this is my character Cirque. You can't see it, but Cirque is written on it in pen. And then my other character is Gringamore. So this is my mage. And if you ever see me play uh 
you know, like play games, I always ever care if, if I run mages, it's Gringamore. And then this will be the old first edition character sheet yep. that, for that. And then the old, uh, I still have it. I don't know if I have it. Some things kind of got lost as time went on. But uh, yeah, I don't have it in here. But I have like all my available spells, you know, on a sheet and stuff like that, you know. And it was, it was all, this is kind of like my, You're my scribe book. Yeah. This is my scrolls, but I know you can't see it, but this is, this is scrolls that I had when we ended the campaign. This was all my potion. So I had potions and then ingredients for potions. And for us with potions, you had to find the correct ingredients. So the DMG has ingredients for potions It had, you know, uh, what was it for? Um, healing potions it was trolls blood so you had to fight you we just didn't get free shit you know yep. we had to go out and either find it you know hunt for it and, and and this isn't a knock against any dm today because that's the way the game's played today it's i you know i call it it's it's halloween and you're handing out candy and candies are artifacts you know yep. because that's the way dnd is designed it's designed it's very similarly to video games where Video games want to keep you interested, so they give you the good stuff and you progress, you know? Yeah, they they want to eliminate that, okay, we've got to go to a mission to where we know there are trolls because we're out of yep. certain spell components, or we're nowhere near a town that I can even buy spell components, so I guess I can't cast that through because I don't have the pearl for it. Oh, you've even got the cards, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have the, the <sighs> main... I have the two boxes. I think there's a 92 version, too. But, yeah, these are, like, magic items that I had. And they were different. RDM, Jeff... He would change them, you know, from exactly what they were and stuff. So, one um, of the, so we, have, uh, when my wife and I first got married, we had a flood. It's one of the that I lost um, in that flood were the second edition spell cards. I also lost my Planescape uh, box set and my Dark Sun box to this mm. day. The only one that I replaced, so I lost my original Red Box one. I don't know if you can know. I did end up replacing yeah. that because I desperately, because I have a lot of good members of the Red Box. Has the dice too. Not filled mm-hmm. in. Still has the crayon in. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, so you fill the numbers in <laughs> the planescape i could live without the dark sun would have been a little more difficult yeah never never a fan of the planescape it's i love spell jammer i loved dark I sun that. was okay that's right dark sun's the one for me that was one of the ones like you talked about how you liked underdark and how it was a different way to play game. dark sun was another, uh, simply because it kind of took like a little bit of the dune thing where water was the thing Right. You know, because water and resources, like you didn't have wooden items because trees didn't grow there. So like you had right. all these things that were made out of bone and you had a bone cow- and metal, you know, the yeah. metals when you could find and and you had to find somebody kind of like uh, in the Mandalorian when you have to go to the armor smith, you know, yeah. it's it's the same thing. This is so second, first edition. And, and I always call it second edition just because second edition came out and we used a lot of the second edition books because you had they were better put together. We didn't use like all the rules from. Yeah. Mine are still in fantastic. Mine are in pretty good condition because they were heavily used, but, but like here, so, so this is, this, this is a sheet of, of, of items that Gringamore had vanished. So he had them vanished and then he could pull them out whenever he needed to. But I go back and I look at this and this is the difference to me in D and D of yesterday to today. So, so, Gringamore vanished. He had three tapestries worth 50 gold pieces. Oh, yeah. When tapestries were part of the uh, the standard treasure loadout. Standard treasure loadout. Uh, Diary of the Priestess Thoth, which was something we found. 
Books of Botany, Astronomy, Alchemy, Legends, and Myths for 6,000 gold pieces value. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had three jars of spices, one big case of mummy wrap, 48 canopic jars, 24 jars of lizard lizard oh, layer. in a portable hole, I assume. No, these were, I vanished these. So I oh, think, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, books, uh, sorted books for tw- 225 gold pieces. And then I had books of poisons of the desert, books of symbian culture. These are all 30 gold pieces. Book of Thune, Dervish culture, book of desert survival. So we were in the, the desert of desolation when, you know, we found all those. And, you know, so that was the difference to me. Like, I don't know if it annoys you, Chris, or not. When I ask about things like the tapestry on the wall, when we were in <laughs> Arkansas, this is why, because I was, you know, trained in D&D that every single thing had value, had value, you know, now, not, not everything, but you know, the things that are cool have value. And I'm trying to see which book it's in. So in one of my books, so Jeff, our DM, Jeff, he was an artist, so he, uh, he would draw stuff, but like he would take stuff out of Dragon Magazine, and this is a book that Gringamore owned, The Ecology of the Slithering Tracker, you know. Nice. So right because old photocopier too. Yep, you know, because Dragon Magazine did the ecology, so they became books and Jeffs, you know, the ecology of the rust monster. You know, these are straight out of Dragon Magazine. Ecology <laughs> of Eye of the Deep. There you know, so, so the immersion to me. Like, this is out of one of the supplements for Greyhawk. We played in Greyhawk, you know, the languages of Greyhawk. Um, Keelan for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, were, we were from Keelan, actually. Uh, Hokik was our... So one of, the, one of the first modules, I think it was... I don't remember which one it was, but, you know, Keelan and then Hokik was in the module. So that's where we were all from and stuff. So, you know, we, we would get this type of stuff and, you know, we would... You know, just see which one it's in. Because, oh, like this. This is, these are tapestries that we found. Oh, that's cool. That's just like artwork right out of the, uh, the books. Books, yeah. But Jeff would make it so that it was tapestry. And that's then, awesome. you know, so, you know, if, if it's in my book, then that means that it was a cool and important tapestry. and Worth a lot of money. Yeah, you know. Anyway. And then, you know, Jeff would draw. This is, uh, which sort of this? This is. This is the Sword of the Plains. So this is, Jeff drew that, and, you know. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that was the sword. So if you were on the prime plane, you got plus zero. If you were on an inner plane, it was like plus two. It was, oh, plus five, plus seven. So inner Ooh. and outer plane was plus seven. And that's um, attack and damage. They don't, they're not all just flat plus one, plus twos. And went back right, and it, was, it was attack and damage. So, um... Yeah, so it was a plus five, plus five, or plus seven, plus seven. If you were on the prime plane, it was like plus one or something. I can't remember 100%, but, you know, that, that was what D&D was to me. And it's not that I get bored in D&D. It's just, it's just so different for me, you know. So it's harder to immerse in D&D today for me because it's just, you know, if we killed a spider, you would want to keep a part of the spider if you knew... Spider eyes were a spell compiler, remember correctly. Yeah, I, I don't remember them all, but it, you know there was a ton. Like if you kill trolls, you would take you like as Gringamore as my mage. I would always carry empty vials. Yes, always carry right. empty vials. And you know we did have a portable hole. We had a bag of holding in our party. So because we were high level, these aren't low level characters. Cirque was 
when we finished, Cirque was 15, 16. Ooh. He was 16 when we finished. And then Gringamore was level 16 when we finished. That's like, and back in those days, I don't know. Like, so I remember well, first first edition well, had level cap on individual. Oh, class. no, no, no. What what they did on um, non-human races, they had level caps. Right, 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 right. That's what they were level caps. Yep. Now, um, if you were human, you could, there was no level cap. But you got to remember, it wasn't set like a, a rogue went up faster than a mage. A mage yep. went up the slowest. Rogues 12, were the fastest. Twelve fifty. I remember the first yeah. second level. Second level, yeah. And you're talking, yeah. And you're talking a mil, you know, millions, you know, one to two million to hit like level seventeen for my mage at the end. Where the rogue, and I can't remember, he was a halfling thief. Damus Del Strago is his name, and or my friend Dan played him, and I can't remember somehow, some way he got he he was imbued somehow to where he could go up above the, the level 16 cap or 14 level 14 it's 12 or 14 i can't remember what it was and i think it was like his his brando barris was his deity and somehow brando opened up that i can't remember how it happened we used to actually record all of our sessions on cassette tapes <laughs> So we'd have 60 minute cassette tapes and we had boxes and boxes and boxes of cassette tapes. I wish I could get those so that you could just listen to us playing D and literally it was, if, if there was time on the tape, it was time playing, you know, that's just how it was. You know, there is dead time. There's always dead time in D. But if we would do mega sessions towards the end, um, it's probably 90, 91 timeframe, 1991, we were kind of rolling to the end of these characters in campaign. And we had Jeff created what's called the big three adventures. It was an overland adventure. It was an underworld adventure. And then it was the desert of desolation. And we had over 400 hours of audio tapes of oh. us, of the time that we play. Cause we'd play mega sessions where Friday we'd play, t- you know, six to eight hours. Saturday we'd play like 16 hours. And Sunday we'd play like eight hours, you know. And then go home and go to school. Yep. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. and then been there, it, done that. And I was in the military at the time, so we actually played on weekends, fitting my schedule because I had every Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and and uh, yeah, that was how we did it. It it was just a blast, you know. Now when you're an adult and you have kids, yeah, that's... restricted time, or you go to school, or you do you know anything as an adult, it just makes it so difficult. Well, if you want my honest opinion, I think that's why Five E is popular because everyone is as busy as they are. You've it's got speed. job. It's, it's it, speed. It, it's in and out, rolling dice, role play, and like I while I I do tend to a lot of that detail is gone from or for the most part it's not they don't get to that level. And it's for expedience to speed the game along, get more done. And right. so wh- while you were talking, we're talking. One of the things I grabbed was this is my, and I always call this the 2.5. This is the black second edition handbook. Um, yeah, yeah. For the long, so I learned a really, really long time ago that I, I do a really good job of keeping my book very well in very good condition. This one is, and this one is trash because Ed learned a long time ago that nobody ever to get their books. And this is the book that's going to get picked up the most or rules up. 
So I've always owned play, uh, like a player's copy, a table. And this book, the binding, you know, I, don't, I don't think we're doing video, but the binding can crack this book. Someone obviously tried to set it down. The binding the, on the sides. Cracked. Yeah, the glue, the glue popped. Yeah, I have my second player, my second edition player's handbook. is. I've got loose pages in the back that are all still there, but I always kept this book as a badge of honor because the book was this eaten up. If the book like this eaten that beaten up this whole well, I found something here. <laughs> I have not opened this book in a long time. So the nostalgia. I was, was going to pull out one of the, the second edition character sheets that I had in here. This one appears to be. This is my character, Quinn. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, and I've got stats in the back. I've got a horse. I've got, oh, I spent how much money I've spent. And my Thacker was 17, AC3, damage uh, 1D10. I spent $500 on Elven Chain Bard Mail. For the horse, uh, I spent a gold for the Briton bar- Brittle, 10 for the saddle for 601 gold to equip my horse. That is right. what I sat down and did while I played. Because like you said, you have downtime. Well, oh, the, the, the the irony of it is, is I noticed that when you keep notes, you keep notes like a second edition play. Yes. Or like a first edition play, you know. This, oh my God. So I'm this is one of the, the, when I was in college, this is Acme Hobbies and Games located, uh, I was in Penn State McKee. It's not Penn State anymore. Um, this was in January and March of 98 for the Magic Tournament to be happening for the Booster Draft. And I think I'm trying to figure out which set this is saying because it doesn't say, but it does tell that this was a, a Booster Draft. Oh, Weatherlight. Weatherlight had just come. So that yeah. is when the last time I probably cracked this book open to read it was when Weather came out in 98. And they were having an extended <laughs> tournament I, for a Mox Ruby. I played Magic in that. I'd played Magic when my boy came out. What else is here? Now that we've opened this up since... Oh, 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 there's Quinn's character sheet. There it is. <laughs> How far did we get with Quinn? All right, Quinn is level eight. That's right around the time we stopped. Yeah, but yeah so mid, mid, mid-range, yeah. Mid-range, maximum press on strength, open doors, bend bars, lift gates, number of languages was listed, maximum spell level, yep. chance to learn. Like, all this stuff is gone from the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The chance to learn is key because like for spells, the chance to learn a spell was so important, you know, because number one, I believe it was based on your intelligence. Uh, if, it if, is. If I'm not mistaken. No, so, right. like you, it, say it's, you say it's gone, but that's an elegant at work playing. Yeah, I'm sure it is. You know, I don't, you know, when Greg's right. trying to, when, when Greg's trying to do stuff, I don't totally, because he kind of goes off on tangents about spells. I know, in, it's one of the things that we did, like the wizard rules that we're playing with are massively different to what they should be, but you just make the game what you want it to be. Oh, yeah. I no, totally... That's exactly it. See, and, and that's why I say, if we were, if I were DMing, it would be fifth edition slash first edition play, because it would be strict to first edition under fifth edition rules. And that's hard. I, I noticed something today. You know, I noticed something recently that players that didn't grow up in first edition have a hard time understanding that first edition mantra. You know, how hard first edition was definitely a grind. And I and I totally understand that. But Gary Gygax, you know, put in the DMG, you know, do what you want. You mm-hmm. know, make the game the way you want. This is just a guide. But when when it came down, you know, he put in that DMG, you know, the basics for for potions. What if you wanted to play to that level? What it would be to if to make a potion, to be an alchemist and make a potion, you know, and what ingredients? And that's kind of the way that I loved. I loved it. You know, even the SSI video games were kind of like that too. Yes, yes, they were. Way, way, way back when, 
when you would play it. I think it was like Pool of Radiance. Pool of Radiance uh, was one. Was the there was one in Dragon? Well, I think Dragon. Yeah, was, Dragonlance had one. Um, I'm trying to remember. Then, I, I can think of the cover because you had the one uh, Death Knight on the cover of that. that yeah, one. that was the, that was the later one though. That was the one that kind of pushed him into um neverwinter nights that was the one before you went to neverwinter nights and all of those no let's take a Baldur's gate was before neverwinter well sorry say no. that again chris Baldur's gate, Baldur's gate was before neverwinter yeah. yep yeah so before Baldur's gate then yeah so, yeah I, I would love to play the ssi games because the ssi games had fighters that could still do the percentages and strength yep. you know Secret, that had it had it Sorry, I found it. Secrets of the Silverblade. That's it. And Secret of the Silver... That, that was actually the first one I ever played, was Secret of the Silverblade. And then I, played, then I played Pool of Radiance after that. I take it back. I think the one I'm thinking about now is actually the Death Knight was the... The, the, the Dragonlance Dragon one. That's the one that was the, the Death Knights on the other cover. Yeah. I, stand, I correct myself. Yeah, that... And that was a good game, too. Yeah. And I, I was never a fan of Dragonlance. Like, I, I never got into the books. I never... I just couldn't... I didn't like the characters that they had, whereas in Forgotten Realms and Pool of Radiance, you know, you had Wolfgar and all those people, you know, yes. the, the, the Drizzt. And, and I came into them later than I read the Dro trilogy before I ever got into the Pool of Radiance and the, whatever the, the gem one and, I, and those books from Salvatore. I think I played almost all of these. Oh, my God. I did what play them all. I did play them all, but I played them out of order. Oh yeah, no, I don't think I played these in order. No way. I don't know how back in those days, in the early late eighties, early nineties, how you would have known which what order they were being, unless you were in the unless you were, yeah. yeah, unless you unless you were totally paying attention to the world, you know, because I didn't learn about Secret of the Silver Blades until I read about it in Dry, or, uh, uh, Dragon Mag. Right, and I think that's how I found out about Death Knights of Crin. Because I think yeah. at the time we were doing a Dragonlance non-weapon proficiency. Do you remember those? No. Oh yeah, that's second edition. That's second edition. I know. I know. That, that I is know. that is second edition because the the proficiencies came in in second. Edition. Correct. And then you've got things like the player option books, and that really was the, the kit books. That that yeah. was the downfall to second ed first edition, second edition, which spawned third edition, which then all those were for the most part absorbed. Because I have them. I have. I have the fighters. I have a bunch of them. I have the fighters handbook. I have the book of the Drow. I have. Uh, I have a bunch actually of those books, or at least I th did. No, um, I think uh, the one I, the I, players options, not, combat, and tactics. So, so that's two point five. Right. And but I'm talking about when I say like the precursor three. Unfortunately, right now I can't fish out my second edition stuff because it's buried right now behind a bunch of stuff. But. If you go into the second edition player's handbook and the second edition DM, DMG, and I'm talking about true second edition, not the not the black book. And hopefully you have one so that we can talk about this. But that's where proficiencies came in. Yep. Oh, such a beautiful cover. Look at the, the, the classic artwork. Yeah. Look at the, look, first of all, look yeah. how shiny and beautiful this one. This is Ed. This is the one that he never let anyone touch. Which why it's yeah. Perfect. Mine is beaten to shit because it was used all the time. But the second edition is what brought proficiencies into the because first yeah. edition first edition did not have proficiencies and it didn't have like it had the basic skill checks your saving throws and then whatever's on the character sheet for you know the Ben bars what is it Ben bars um, Ben bars lift gates hold yep. on you guys gotta hear open doors Ben yep. bars open doors your damage adjustments. Uh, with your strength, then 
uh, intelligence was additional languages, uh, percentage to no spells, minimum number of spells, maximum number of spells. So that was another piece. You could only have so many spells depending upon your intelligence. You could know. Wisdom was magical attack adjustment, spell bonus, and percent spell failure. And then you had uh, dexterity was reaction adjustment, which was huge. Missile adjustment, which was big if you were a a, uh, ranger. And then your defense adjustment, which gave you the better armor class. Um, And then charisma was hit point adjustments. Uh, system shock no, and resurrection right. resurrection that's, survival that's constitution yeah. sorry con- constitution you're correct i'm uh, remember right. they're different in this than um charisma has my absolute favorite game breaking um, maximum number of henchmen yes yeah baby. what do you mean i've got seven people that just follow me around follow me around <laughs> yeah where the party becomes a war party really, really quick when you get two high charisma characters with like 10 people each. Like, how oh, yeah. are you eating these people? You just go into the bar and you recruit them, you know? And then oh, you kiss them. Then you, my then favorite you, one. Yeah, then you kiss them goodbye when you're done with them. Yeah, the, the constitution was hit point adjustment, system shock, and uh, resurrection. So system shock was if you're using the raise dead spell. Resurrection was if you were using the uh, resurrections. So if you were using, because there were two different spells, one brought you to one hit point, and one brought you to either half or full when you raised them. Yep. Oh and my you, god. You are correct because in chapter five, when they're even listed, optional. Correct. They were optional in the black book. I think they became they became part of it. Yeah. In the in, in, the, in the black book. I think you might be right. Well, yeah, because I think whenever second edition introduced, we may have. You probably played more in first edition than second edition's really where I cut my teeth. I did play. I still have all my first editions up, but where I cut my teeth. No, even in the black book, says proficiency is optional. Okay, so then it's third edition then where they actually came oh, in. Oh, God, yeah, no, that's where from there. Yeah, and then it started to shrink down, kind of like you started to see the shrinkage on what your stats are, you know, at that oh, point. Yeah. You still oh, had yeah. it. Third edition, yes. Yeah, you still had it, but you started to see the shrink. And then when you got third edition, and when you got to fourth edition, I mean, it was a freaking video game. Yeah, that I, so I do have fourth edition stuff there because I, I mean, I was a Dungeons and Dragons, still am for the most part, fanboy. So of course it all came out, and I'm like, oh, I can see how this can kind of because there was that allure, like, okay, I see where they're going, but once you see it played out on the tabletop, I'm like, this, this wasn't the game. That's why I have a vast first edition Pathfinder because they stuck around with the old D twenty six third edition, so at least that felt like the uh, um, the path. If you had Pathfinder three five, then it was because three five mimicked basically D and D three five, which three five was a better version of three. A thousand yes. times better than four, and it was similar enough to second edition, but it added all the crap in, you know, as mandatory right. at that point. And that's where you could really build characters that you could build a ranger that could one shot, you know, a giant off the. Yes. You know. Yes. And you know and you could. Pathfinder uh, uh, was always considered to be uh, three point seven five because they made some. There were some uh, clear gaps in 3.5. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm thinking about the grappling. I mean, that's like the poster for what, because then it became this, well, how does this work? It's this mm-hmm. opposed role versus that. Like it, so then it just became a, just a flat out check. Just boom, they're grappled. Done. So right. One right. of the things. That, and we played a lot. We play an awful lot of Pathfinder. I mean, when we were playing, because at, at that juncture in my life, that's whenever adulthood kicks in. We start getting into those things of not having them. But when we did play free, it was Pathfinder. But that's, right. that's, that's post-kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 
you know, Pathfinder was kind of that, you know, in my 30s is when I found Pathfinder. You know, actually, yeah, it was probably late 30s when I found Pathfinder because that's when I got back into gaming. Um, that's when I was going through my divorce. And my first introduction to Magic the Gathering wasn't Magic the Gathering itself. We were staying, we were visiting my aunt. She was dying out in Fairfax, Virginia. My ex-wife and son and I were staying at a hotel. And at the hotel, we were, it was like a Holiday Inn Express or Holiday Inn. And at the hotel, they were hosting a magic tournament. Ooh. And I, re- I, re- I remember, I remember, and this was, you know, mid-90s time frame. And I just remember, you know, my ex making fun of the nerds as they were walking in, you know, because they were your typical greasy-haired, you know, uh, you know, body-odor, greasy-haired kids that were going to play Magic the Gathering, which... Don't, don't forget the mandatory butt crack. One in three has got to be showing butt crack. Yeah, you know, uh, for, for, the, for the larger kids, you would get the butt crack. And, um, you know, then you would have the offhand female that was there that my wife would just make horrible fun of because that's her ex-wife would just because, you know, that's the way that she was. And it was just like, and then, you know, my son, uh, M10 is when I found magic. So M10, it was right before Zendikar. Wow. The original, the original, the original Zendikar is when my son and I started playing magic and, I can't remember how. I think it was my friend Matt who introduced me to Magic, and then I introduced Aaron, and then Aaron liked it. And so he went to the game shop and played some Magic and had a good time. And he and my son had a good time. And then you meet the the people that understand the game and stuff. And so they were helping him build decks, giving him cards. And by the time M11, M12 rolled around, you know, I'm buying boxes and boxes to open, you know, yeah. because you want the cards. And, you know, then I had a, I think I had, what is it like a twenty five hundred card box, Chris? The big box. Five thousand. I have. Five, several, it's. I have it's several the, behind that door. I have several of them. <laughs> yeah. So the the five tray, you know, big boxes. I had like seven of yeah. those at one time, and I lost five of them in my shelf collapse down in my basement that fell into the into the nasty water where I lost all my Legion stuff. Oh. But it was all just like commons uncommons if there were rares i had them in binders and stuff yeah so it wasn't so it wasn't as big and i had traded all of my like value cards to cool stuff inc and got monetary value which is what bought all my x um you know so magic cards bought me (laughs) x-wing yeah and then Magic cards bought me uh, my Tyranid army. My winnings from my bought me in my Necron and my Space Marine because I was winning local events with that army. Yeah, fucking broken at the oh, such a great <laughs> art, such a great Nidzilla. Oh god, do I miss? Do I miss running six Carnifexes? Three of the, because they were elites because they were smaller. There were three shooty Carnifexes that had the little twin link devourers. Three bigger ones that had the uh, Barb Strangler <laughs> and the Venom Cannon, and then two Hive Tyrant, then minimal troops. And everyone goes, how the hell do I deal with it? Yeah, good luck. It's fun. <laughs> Love. But all of so, that, I paid uh, some magic cards that I just unloaded. Oh, yeah. Well, I paid for, what, Worlds 2015 with X-Wing promos. So, you know, that yep. was... Um, Did but you anyway, ever play against a Deathwing army with that Nidzilla list? No, I, I didn't bump into... Hey, I, there you go. Oh, That's how oh, you deal with it. How, all right, so you're gonna have to, I'm going to have to hit the rewind button on you just had all terminators that could deep strike in, so I get I get close, and then you're engaged, and now your monstrous features don't kill me, and I've got power fists, so I eventually kill you. Oh yeah, because they had no they, no involvement. 
It was yeah, yeah. That was so you ran you ran two flying hive tyrants, three carnifexes. Each of them was throwing down twenty four shots. So it was usually wounding pretty much everything on the board at minimum. Of, and then what was the, the AP though? AP nothing. Yeah, uh, you and, and you're right. <laughs> you are right in the fact that it came down to the fact where. All of the, like, pretty much everything on the board would get wiped off, and then you're like, oh, my little, you know, go and grab this gaunt to do that. But you're right, an, an all-Terminator Deathwing list would have absolutely wrecked face on it. The Power Fist would have killed the monster creatures, and then I'm not putting down enough. The only now, thing that kills Terminator is, is Imperial Guardsmen with flashlights. Yeah, like, where they throw it out here, have set, or, or orcs. Here's 70 orcs charging into your five-man Terminators. <laughs> where they literally, like... Guardsmen don't kill the Terminators. They shine the light guns in their eyes, which startles them. They fall over, and then the white turtles just can't get up off the back. I remember going to an event the first time I saw uh, Green Tide actually played it. So, Sean, I know you're not as super familiar with 40k, but way back in the days, one of the most effective orcs are dirt cheap. Back in those days, I think they're four point model. So, what, gotcha. orc, what orc uh, players would do is they would run a hundred and eighty orcs they were like skinks yes they, they were s- similar to the skinks in, uh in fantasy right legitimately the 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 theory behind how to win that game is you don't have enough bullets to kill a hundred and so like i remember going to a tournament where the guy beside me was playing first of all the setup was fucking i'm gonna set up behind the orcs um and they didn't got guys back then didn't do things like the movement trays where they would just pick them up and just move them so like the movement phase took forever but legitimately, it's like, all right, so my 60 orcs are, here are my 60 attacks from my orcs going, and they would dump a bucket of dice. Because they don't, they only hit on, hit on fives and sixes, so they're only hitting a third of the time, but they're throwing so many dice. Like, yeah, it's just, it, yeah, it, it's, it's mauls you, yeah, it's, yeah. That, that's the way skinks were. I remember I fought a, I had my nice, you know, knights and lance formation, and, you know, marching up to the skinks, I was going to attack them, and... Somehow I screwed up and I, I miscalculated the the movement. So and when I played the second time I played, when I really actually played, they went from the lance formation, which was the the point formation. You had one, then two, then three, and you could go out to you know infinity if you wanted to. And then the yeah the modifiers then would you know the modifiers were devastating against armies and stuff well and when i got back into it and i started playing it again they went to the the 3 or 5 wide was the limit i can't remember three wide for lands after 7th edition i think it was yeah this Sixth was seventh, we went this was like uh, this would have been like 2010 11 time yeah. frame you, you're talking about 5th edition which was the yeah um, the bretonian versus wizardman box i believe um maybe fourth or fifth that was way back that was way way back when i didn't i didn't buy the box i just bought you know the the models you know i bought the the boxes it was definitely fifth edition because the last book in that edition was the wood elf book because i bought it and got to play like maybe 10 games with it before they changed the edition and that's when it went away from percentages into um army composition from in the same as 40k yeah. killing tar and stuff i was in oh, right wow. right i, I was i was in i was in before the composition yeah so, yep. so i was in it was 50 percent the... characters 25 percent yep yeah um, exactly yeah that that's how it was um because i had my grail knights i had my i had my <sighs> bretonian knights my grail knights i would have my archer units um i would have arrowhead least... formation 
Yep, in arrowhead formation. I would have my spearmen because they were the they were the ones holding the line as the spearmen. Um, and then I had the green knight was my special character that I would use. And then I can't remember like if I had anything. I don't remember everything, but I those were the big ones. And I just remember going against the skinks and I screwed up my distance. I thought I had them. I thought I could charge in because then you get the lance formation. With the three rows of damage, I would have wiped out the whole tray of skinks if I got in there and rolled well enough and missed it by like a half an inch. So I didn't make base contact. So I couldn't do the and Then attack. he shot you with ball pipes and you died. Yeah. Then he That's just rolled over me. Yeah. Then he just rolled over me with his tray of skinks. And because what, what, what was pissing me off at the time was the Bretonians, I think, only had one hit point. The Knights only had one hit point. Yeah. They had- which, which made no sense to me because my Grail Knights had two. But my knights had one, yet they're in the same armor, same everything. And, you know, so you're just like, ah, you know. Because I just. Bucket of dice and eventually you're going to roll ones and they go down. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you have, you know, nine knights because it's in the book, in the old book that I had, I found it. And then, of course, it got destroyed in the collapse. But um, I had found my old book that I had of Bretonians from back in the early or in the 90s when I was playing with my friend Matt. And they had the land, they had a picture, you know, it was Games Workshop with the picture of the knights in Lance formation. And there's like 10 feet of knights in oh this, like, God. they're like running up, you know, because they had built their big, you know, terrain model and stuff. And it's the, it's the knights and they're going up the road, you know, kind of like to, uh, uh, what is it? The, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, the second movie, the, Minas you know, Tirith? how it, yeah, Minas Tirith, you know, as, as you had that road that went up to the to the gates of Minas Tirith and stuff, it was similar to that, you know. And well, the second just, movie would have been Helm's Deep. Yeah, Helm's. Thank you, Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. Thank you. Sorry. I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A minute. Yeah, I'm I'm so far into D and D in my head right now that, um, but yeah, that that's what their book was. So you know, you had Grail or you had knights, you know, for like five six feet of knights in their picture. You know? And it, when I saw that originally, because I was trying to figure. My friend bought the, it was the, whatever it was, it was the uh, humans versus, you said it, Chris, was it orcs or whatever? Yeah. Or lizard men. Lizard men. It was, it, lizard it men. was so it was Petonians against wizard men. Um, then that's, after that's that, the one the sixth edition, yeah, sixth edition was um, orcs against humans. Yeah. Seventh edition was Battle for School Pass with goblins and dwarves. Eighth edition was Island of Blood. Which was high elves in skin. Yep. Uh, ninth edition was blowing up the old boat. So anyway, so that was you know, so so I get where you guys are coming from when you're talking about that old style of play compared to the newer. You know, the 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 one thing I think that when you have the armies built out the way they are now, it's more a little more complicated when you're than it was back then because you could just figure out you know a thousand points how many points you know uh, a knight was. You know, Bretonian Knight was like 35 points. You could have however many. I think I could have like 10 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, or nine or something like that. And I have a cat climbing up behind me on my chair. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, bud? Hold on. Ah, got to give him room. Oh, he got down. Okay. But yeah, so one thing I do, I'll finish my flight deck here with real quick. Um, oh, yeah, we were doing that. Yeah, that was that was what started all this. That was the thing. So with that draw book, the cool thing was that when you bought it, I also got the PDF. Yeah, I love the companies are doing. Um, 
Free League Games did the same thing with all the books. If you pre-order from them, which I yep. do come a geek, um, they give you a drive-thru RPG. As soon as they have the print version yep. prepared, they went through drive-thru RPG. Yeah, I do a lot of stuff through drive-thru RPG just because I like the PDFs better. Because if I was ever running a campaign, I would run it the way Jeff ran it, where I would snip clip, you know, the crap out of the PDFs and then use it as the visual aid. Well, I can tell you that it's a hell of a lot better than a storage solution than having an entire bookshelf full of RPE books behind you like I do. Having everything that I have on my iPad and just be able to find everything I need. Although I do have to admit. Oh, I like the books better. It by absolutely far. nothing beats being able to pick up a book and flip through. PDFs are great if you're going to read it from cover to cover. But if you're trying to look up a rule or something like that, absolutely what I'd rather have it in my hand. I would, I would actually much rather read it out of the book. And then, like I said, I just use whatever it is, what is a snip clip thing, the snippet tool, and then yeah. sn snip out the pictures or what I need. Because I would love to do second edition. I can convert all my first edition into fifth. It's easy as shit to do for monsters and all that type of stuff. But I would rather play with, you know, we could play the D20 system, but I would bring back the old character sheets where you have the percentage rules, too. I, I agree. Maybe, you know, maybe... When Strahd ends, maybe that's the next campaign. Break out the old second. Nah, we, I got, I got, I got Star Wars to do. If I'm going to do one, I got to do this because I, right, right. I have all the, all the red and I have all the, the Age of Rebellion and Edge of the Empire. So I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to do Cyberpunk Red. That's what I thought you were going to do. I do want to do Cyberpunk Red too because I have all the Cyberpunk stuff that the. At a store in Canada, uh, I bought from and a fantastic which, store that I can see into right now as I'm sitting here. Exactly. Talking about is that a books? Is that a bookstore, Chris? It's the bookstore in the Century Box. So it's a book. So is that like a? Is it a bookstore for like sci-fi and fantasy, or is it? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't have like modern trade paperbacks unless it's sci-fi or fantasy. Okay, so it's only sci-fi fantasy. Now? Um, yeah, we do like media tie and stuff, so like the alien books. Um, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I, I mean? All of um, right do you do books like The Expanse and stuff like that? Those types uh, yeah. of books, the novelizations of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. On I found the 1991 Advanced Technology set. On Which one is it? Which one? The one that you just showed pictures from. Yeah, I have ninety. I have ninety and ninety-one, and there should be a ninety-two also. The box. Yeah, yeah this is the ninety. This is the ninety-one's got Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Spelljammers, Raven, yep. and Dark. Yep. Oh, I yep. So, it's factory sealed, Sean. Yep. It's factories. It's never been opened. Mine has been opened and devastated. So, because as you see, some of them are taped inside of my. Books. Yep. <laughs> Oh, watch that! Just to see, just out of curiosity. I is that a buy? Is that a buyout price or a bid price? Uh, it's buy it now for four, uh, it's like twelve bucks shipping because it is so it's really it's really sixty two dollars um for the twelve dollars shipping, but that's not bad for something that's been out of print that long. Right, and for because so I got a set. I bought a set um of D and D stuff because I'm still trying to complete the collection. I have you know I didn't have everything back then. So as an adult, you know, I go back and I once in a oh, while yeah. go in and look. That, that's the benefit of being an adult with a disposable income. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I bought a set that had like first edition, a bunch of first edition books. But then he threw in the, a box, the 1990 box, because I had my 91 box. I've had my 91 box since I bought it in 91. <laughs> you know? 
So oh, I have an, yeah. I have that box original, but I pulled stuff out of it. So it's a piecemeal box. It's you know probably missing 20, 30 cards. Um, but the cool thing about having those was that they were the original, you know, quick look cards. If you were playing yeah. with the with the stats and everything, they were the, the quick look cards and stuff. Really helped. I also had the deck of uh, wizard spells. So it's the wizard spell box that you could do like in a in yeah. a card. You know, there were the where you could set up like a card fan thing and you know go through and pull out what you have, yeah, which you 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 can do today because they come out with the the spell decks and you know all of the decks for all the different types of gears, stuff like that. And you have all that for fifth edition. The but, the ninety the ninety two box is thirty nine. So what I did the reason why I went on the eBay while we we're talking about this is like oh I wonder how much it is to replace the Dark Sun one. So I found someone that actually had one that was complete <laughs> open, but it's two hundred and fifty bucks. And my driver. I apologize to people, but I'm probably going to make a lot of noise here, but I want to see if I can get through. Do I really care $250 and much to go and replace those cards? The only, so when we're talking about those, oh, these, the handbook, like the fighter's handbooks or the book of elves handbooks, like all those faux leather cover books that they have. The only one that I am missing from Ken editions is the dwarf because I never played dwarves and I never saw the need to go. And so that. Now that you're talking about completing sets, I'm like, wow, he's right. I'm missing one that I forgot to go out and oh, oh my god, I would like, ah, oh. and I do need to replace. Oh, someone had Planescape one eighty dollars. Oh, eBay's eBay's the eBay's the devil. That's what that is. eBay is the devil. I should not be looking. This Why don't you message Greg and see if we've got any of this stuff? That's probably not a bad idea. Well, because like one of the things that I want, I've always wanted to have is um, the original um, Castle Ravenloft Adventure First Edition. Oh, look at that! Which one? What year is that? Ninety-two. That look at that. The ninety-two card set, and there's the ninety-one. So someone on eBay has both of them factory sealed. Ninety-one and ninety. You're muted, John. You're muted, John. Are you? Your headset's disconnected or something. I don't know. You maybe went too far away. I don't know. Disconnect and jump back in, probably. Okay, I get to truncate the silence. I, I purposely didn't truncate the silence on the last episode, just so that my joke worked. So your one joke did. So the one joke landed. Can you hear me, guys? You can hear. Yeah, me I now. can hear you. Guys. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think there's a ninety. I was thinking there was a ninety, ninety-one, ninety-two, but I think there's only a ninety-one and ninety-two of the. Uh, so speaking of stuff like that, this isn't me hating FFG for a moment. Um, so the Arkham Horror Card Game. They do an invocation event every year, and they have a play mat, and it says a year. So I've got um, 2017, 2018, and 2020, and there uh, isn't a 2019 one. Aww. Oh, that my th- God. That's terrible. That would throw off my OCD bad. No, I hate it. I hate it so much. So the 2020 one is Wade. It's um, Wade Pache's, um alternate art card that they did for yeah, his, um it's the one where he's like looking back or whatever yeah looking back at yeah. the, the toffee cat from a mirror yeah that's right yeah yeah so i've got weighed on my play map for arkham Aww. so I yeah if you heard what i said before but one of the things i always wanted is in raven raven love you're talking about the um the one with strad on the cover the ice not ice yes. Strahd, uh castle ravenloft is castle the first ravenloft. yeah and then the second one is like Return to Castle Ravenloft, I think. Yeah, that one I have. I still ha- I have that one. And then, of course, I had, well, I lost, this is one of the other box sets I lost. Um, second edition box set, first. I lost that too. Really? 
Oh my yeah. God. I actually, I actually had to buy a second copy of it. My first one, it got piecemealed in our basement about 15 years ago. Um, it was something my ex-wife had done. I don't know if she was cleaning or something, but remember the original Star Wars? I don't know if you remember it, but it was like from the either 79 or 8081. That's the Mattel Star Wars game where you had to blow the Death Star up. You, yeah, the Death Star uh, run. Um, yeah. yeah, it had three sections to it. It had the what was starting point, and then it had the trash compactor, and then you had to disarm the tractor beam, and then you went into space, and you had to blow stuff up up there. And, and I, I actually had a copy of that that I had bought off eBay, and that got destroyed in the Fury of the X also. The 77 Kenner one, the Death Star board game, I think is... That's the one, yep. Yep, I remember. I remember this. 77. Yeah, and I had it at Christmas <laughs> in 77. Yep. Well, because that's all they could do when Kenner got the license. Like, they had to put something out for the holiday season. Like, they won. Right. And, and the figures that I got were actually the... They were similar to the originals, um, but I got, like, the second wave of figures, so there were changes to them they weren't the ones that like you see from the if you bought the whatever it was the the one where you had the display piece to it oh yeah yeah yeah. so mine mine were the the you know the ones that come like today that look like the old ones mine came like that i didn't get the ones shipped to me that were from that original like tw- the original 12 figures or whatever it was so the second run that they did was a little bit different than the first one, so I had the second round figure. I wasn't even born. I feel bad for I feel bad for Alan. He's in the Cabal channel. <laughs> I wasn't even born when it would come out, but I would have absolutely oh, wanted those. God, but I still fine, have what? I move him to the... He's gonna pull Alan down. There you go, little fucking shit, whiny bastard. Can come and sit with us and be on the show instead. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there, Alan? I I am here. Hey. <laughs> We're just reminiscing about old games. We we, we went through our second edition um, Dungeons the and Dragons in- run. We went through that where we we're covering our head and what it was like to play DD back in those days. And we just hit on the, oh, no. the first. Oh yeah, the the cards that came with the second edition set. Um, yeah. And then we just got the uh, seventy seven Star Wars board game. First thing that Kenner put out whenever they got the license. <clears throat> yeah, we're just shooting the shit, Alan. Hi, how are you? Well, hello. Uh, doing all right. I cannot turn on my camera, but that probably doesn't matter. No, I don't think video. We're just doing audio anyway. Hey, you know what the best part is on the ninety-two cards? It shows twenty-four ninety-five U.S., thirty dollars Canada, seventeen ninety-nine U.K., including the VAT. So it included the VAT tax. So seventeen pounds, seventeen pounds ninety-nine pence for this thing. Bargain at twice the price. Yeah, Ed, this 91 is my original box. So this is the one I, 92 is the one I got off of you. 91 is the one that I bought originally at a store called Merchants of Venus here in Omaha. Well, for me, like I said, all the heavy stuff was, so there, I lost a lot of my the flood. The way that I had my bookshelf set up at the time was all the heavy stuff was on the bottom. Yep. So like the box sets and the packs of cards and stuff like that were on the bottom. So of course that was, so that's where I lost my original red box. I replace it, obviously. I lost my Planescape one. I lost the Forgotten Realms run. The, we just talked about it, the Dark Sun one. Yeah, I was, that, that flood that killed half of my childhood and ended up doing, but... 
The upside was is on the third shelf is where the books started and those were all fine. So I didn't yeah. lose any of my books. It was all the boxes. And some of that stuff is not irreplaceable, but super. Oh yeah, by far. Yeah, the I'm in the process right now. So I bought the, I told you guys about, I bought the, it's a armoire type thing for my clothes. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm turning my bedroom closet into a storage room because it's tiny. I have a small house, so the closets are real small. So I bought an armoire to put all my clothes in, which means I can then move the dresser that I have from there into the office where I'm at now so that I can store gaming stuff in it in the office. And then I'm moving a bookshelf from the living room that has all the games, a bunch of games and stuff like the D&D books and stuff into my bedroom so I can put all my D&D stuff in the bedroom. And then I have a Calac shelf, the 6x6 Calac shelf coming from Ikea someday. And then, so that's going to go in the living room where my two bookshelves with all my games and bookshelves are. So it's a big rotation. Once I get the bookshelf in my room, I can actually finish cleaning this space so that I can actually start building models and putting stuff together. Because it's such a mess in here right now. I just can't handle it. So... It's like this process of rotating furniture in my house. and <laughs> But I cannot wait to have access to all my D&D stuff because I really want to start converting a lot of it to 5th edition and run 5th slash 1st edition campaigns um, with it. And, you know, use the D20 system to do the campaign portion or do the, the you know, game playing portion, but add in the percentile side of it too. Yeah, it should be a fairly, I mean, it's going to take some time to be that difficult. Well, it's just hit dice. You know, you're, you're changing because yep. monsters attacked with hit dice rather than attacking directly. You know, they still rolled a D20, but it was based on their hit dice is what their Thaco was at that. And really, it's just changing all of that, which there are conversions out there. People have made conversions. For stuff like that. So, you know, a five hit die monster can hit, you know, whatever, you know, whatever armor class at whatever level and stuff. I still don't like the D20 system. I love Thaco. I love the 10 to minus 10. I, um, I, I've never understood what everyone did. I know we've, we've covered this ground before. I've never. It was very easy for me to understand it. So I, I, I don't get it. Your Thaco is 18, which means I think in, a, in 18, I, you hit. Armor class zero. So if you roll a 19, right. you're hitting armor class big one. You roll a 20. Right. Well, it's an auto hit, but I mean, it's not that hard. But I think a lot of it is it's work. You know, it's it's literally work where now I can roll a die and say, does this hit? Well, so this this is the part that always drove me nuts between the third edition players and the third edition. It's, it, this is just fucking nostalgia bull. I'm going to call you to it. I let you wax lyrical for me, like, probably an hour <laughs> on this fucking <laughs> bullshit. God, your fucking nostalgia <laughs> trip. Jesus. Faco's awful. Armor um, class is much simpler for doing the exact same fucking thing. It's simple if you want to. Oh, right, so, come on. Okay, okay, let's go through. Okay, so tell me how you. Let's go through the steps of working out Faco, right? So yeah. I'm a human. I've got a strength of, t- of 12, right? Okay, so what else do I do? You're going to be at an 18. If you're a human and a fighter, you're going to be at an 18, starting okay. at first level. When you go to the second level, it goes down, down yeah, one. So it's 17. Goes down every level. Every level. If you're, uh, I think it's a priest class, you go down every two levels, I believe yep. it is. All right. So I'm a level three fighter then, okay? 
Yep. So, so your, I, classes, I hit, your two hit armor class zero is 15. Right. So now I've got to say, what's your armor class, right? No, 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 no. It's the same. It's actually so the how same. Do I know what, how do I know what your armor class is if I'm hitting you? Oh, you're if hitting I, so me. A, if you're hitting play, me. Yeah, if I'm a player yeah. and you have a, you have a DM and I'm yep. trying to hit a, I don't know, a, a gob, a pole bolt. Yeah, so they, okay, so how, be... how do I know what the armor class is? Oh. Do I still have to ask you? Or do you have to tell me? No, because in old D&D, you could sit there, the DM could tell you it's armor class three. So now right, you so, know, a, a three, a positive three, not a negative three. So you know now you subtract three off of your Thaco. So if you're at a 15, you're now at a 12 to hit him because it's a three. So let's, Sean, let's just pretend for a minute that a kobold's armor class 12. And I say to you, Sean, this kobold's an armor class 12, right? Yeah. So now you've got a D20 and you're a level three fighter and your strength is 12. So you're getting plus two, two no, plus, plus three to plus your roll. One. Is it plus three? So now you can hit on a, uh, if you're proficient with your weapon as well. Plus That's what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, if you're proficient, yeah. 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 So now you'll be hitting on a nine. Mm-hmm. Right, well, it's the same. It's the same thing. I'm Not a classic totally... favorite, the same. Not it's totally, just different but ways of getting to the same because, thing. Because in... But you think it's better because of fucking bullshit nostalgia. Don't <laughs> come at me with that fucking nonsense. No, because way back then, your weapon also mattered, too. Because your weapon yes, would that's have... that's what I said. Yeah. You, you would have a strength adjustment, then you would have a weapon yeah. adjustment if you had a magical but you do, weapon. You don't have, but you don't have proficiency. Yeah, proficiency didn't exist because that yeah. came off of your weapons and things like that. Yeah, it's, so it's what proficiency in the weapon of it of the same thing. Very much so. Yeah, your strength in, in your, in your Alan, weapon. Fuck, fuck you! You'll be waiting forever. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. <laughs> but my my uh, point, the thing about it is though, <laughs> what to me what made it cool, Chris, is it made the weapon matter. Like right now, if you give me a plus three weapon, it's just a plus three weapon. What weapon is it though? What damage what? types it deal? The because it, 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 it all matters. Are you talking about right. in old or new? In new, what I'm saying, like the weapon still matters now. Only in damage, it, not only, in no, not in the two hit proficiency. Yeah, because it's got to be the right type of weapon. Like, yeah, right. Um, we we had the entire thing with this fucking longsword that Ed persi- persisted in using, even though he's not proficient in it. Instead <laughs> of using the perfectly good short sword I gave him. Yep, <laughs> I may have done that. I may have done that. <laughs> So, so I mean, like, it's everything's still it's the same. It's just you stuff worked out differently, or is named something different. So you have the, it's the same for me with talking about forty k now. I open the the arc book and look at it, and none of it makes sense, and it's all just like weird and like, hey, why is it like this? It's so much easier to go back and do it how it used to be done. And it's nostalgia. Yeah, but... no, 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 I get it. No, I, I will never say no to what you're saying, Chris. I just, I don't, you know, I, I don't. Like, understand. I, I, I will I, play. I will play in whatever fucking first or second edition nightmare that you guys want to subject <laughs> yourselves to until we've played for like four sessions. You're like, oh my fucking lord, release me from my pain. <laughs> just plug it in this calculator for the love of god why do we have to keep going over this the characters themselves even had right. a calculating bar right on it by the time they yeah. got around to it so that people could figure it out 
Yeah, I mean it's it's all the you are correct. It's all the same. It's okay. just it just it made the to me. So so if you get you know you give me a mace plus two and and it, it all falls like I told you, Chris. A lot of it falls back into my nostalgia where that mace plus two isn't as cool as that mace plus two, which is a plus one proficiency to hit plus two damage because yeah. that's how it's that's how it's built. Um, unless you're getting those types of weapons that give you equal prof- to equal damage, or you get the name, you know, because back in in first edition they just told you you could as a fighter you could you you could use most weapons as a fighter if you're a if you're a priest you could only use a mace a hammer they had to be blunt weapons they could not be yeah. pointy sticky weapons in yeah. any way you couldn't yeah. use a bow you know not use a crossbow because yeah. some, somehow bashing something over the head was the acceptable Right, exactly. Never understood that, but okay. Yeah, like you couldn't, without taking a major penalty, you couldn't use crossbows, bows, darts, swords, uh, you know, <laughs> knives. If the mace's got spiky bits on it, that's okay, too. That's correct. It's fine, because, yeah. you know, because your deity that's, you know, limiting you to this mace still loves blood, no matter what, you know. Yeah, you know, so it's just that you are correct. It's 100% nostalgia. You know, it's just, it's not, I don't. It's just, you, so you just said that if in 5e, if I give you a mace, it's not as good because it's just a plus two mace. Not like because, an old mace, which could have been a plus one mace that did plus two damage. I mean, Sean, if you would rather have a plus two mace that only did plus two damage and was only a plus one mace to hit, I can make that happen, my friend. Well, I can give you a the, plus you, one to hit and plus two damage mace. But then you easily. have to then you have to go back and give me the other proficiencies that came through your character sheet. Right. Uh, and and that is <laughs> <laughs> No, you just said that you'd instead of having a plus two mace that no, currently no, 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 would do plus two to hit I, and yes, plus I two did. to damage. You'd rather I'd have follow. a plus one to hit plus two to damage because you'd find that more interesting. I mean, we can make that happen. <laughs> I will happily nerf all of your weapons to be worse all day long. We'll I can't. See. When was the last time I used the mace, Chris? You know, now I'm using that <laughs> that eldritch horror power that you gave. Well, because well, it's a thousand it's times better. That you have sacred flame. <laughs> that you make dark packs with um, people. You get dark warlock powers. It's not my fault. Oh. Hey, you know, I mean, chaotic good priests do weird shit at times, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it, you know, and you are correct. Most of it's nostalgia, but when you play it that way for, you know, however many years I played it, you know, 80, 80, one thing 1980 to 94. It's not actually the game that you miss and enjoy. Yeah, it was that point of your life that you missed and enjoyed. Oh no, yeah, I would so, agree with that. Yeah, well, right, part of the irrelevant. gaming, the gaming part yeah. of my life. Then yes, yeah. I, I'll take that, but not the yeah. not the rest. Well, <laughs> like yeah. I still rest on my laurels that I like the, the amount of time that I. Or I'll still rest on the point that like, the West End game, Star Wars, one of the best played because it was the first game that I ever played the. And it was a completely different system, and I'm like, oh wow, I'll, like this is a much easier. Like I was in that whole Thacko thing, so I still have a lot of nostalgia for the games version of Star Wars. That every other version of, especially whenever Wizards got the time and they converted it over, was D and D with a Star Wars skin on it. Nah, I don't like that. And then I, I've never played the Fantasy Flight one, so maybe the Fantasy one's different and it's good because I've never way played different. It. It's way different. It's it's more theater of the mind. 
in a lot of ways. Well, and that's legitimately, that's what I prefer. Like, don't get me wrong. Third edition above, I think probably was one of the most streamlined versions of Dungeon. Whenever it got done, I'm going to move this one where, like, you had to play with to play the game. That's yeah, it was a I, video game. Yeah. That's where I started going, eh, I don't know. Right. While I mean, it did move some things and it, it, it avoided some of the arguments. Well, I'm, well, I, you said I was 25 feet, but now you're telling me it did eliminate all of that. I will give it that. But it, then it became done the mechanics of the well, then, then it then it went from, you know, first edition up to second edition was 60 feet movement. Now it's 30 feet movement. Right. You know, the the actions, attacks different, you know, back then. Er, everything was different, you know, when you get down to it. Fighters at level 10 got the set, you know, they went from one attack to one to two attacks every other round. And then they go to. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, then they go to uh, two attacks at like level ten or twelve or whatever, and then they permanently get two attack. Um, the action, you know, you didn't have to worry about all the actions that you have now. Disengage was just if you got out, if you said you were moving away, they would attack you. You know, there was no hard rule that said, you know, this is how, this is what. It was if you. It said in the rule book, you know, if you move away, they get a free attack. That's it. You know, there was no real disengage. There wasn't any anything that took that away from it. It was. No, all I'm hearing now is that you'd be happier if I stopped letting people disengage from combat. I'll get yeah. my I'll get my disengaging strikes 100 percent of the time now. Absolutely. You don't I want reactions, okay yeah, and uh, everyone can be dead, and then uh, the game's over. Done. It was much more deadly back then than it is now. You have a lot of things like the uh... the, the difference. Is, uh, we've had this conversation before. I know we have. The difference is in first and second is that you you didn't expect to play a character to that level because once that the character died, their brother who had the same name and all of the same equipment turned up and happened to be the same level, and then yeah. you just try er, again. Er, early on levels, yeah, you, your your propensity of dying was much more. In the earlier uh, levels, your ability to survive was much more once well, your priest in the party got raised dead. Well, I think that they, once they once they hit level nine, they get raised dead, and then the party. But then that went off of because now you have what is it three saves? You get you do death saves now, and after the third oh, yeah. failed death save, you you're dead forever type thing. Is that what yeah. it is? So back then, so what it was what, being at zero hit points, it doesn't kill you. It, it knocks you unconscious, and then you start taking death saves. If you fail three death saves before you pass three death saves, you die. Yeah, but then you could still be resurrected, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in, in first edition, if you died, there was no, like, there there was no death saves. When you hit minus, I think it was like minus three or minus five hit points, you died. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you would roll roll against that, and then... That's when you death save... And it was only when you went below zero hit points. When you went to zero hit points, you could be bandaged, and then you're stable, and then you could be given, you know, uh, somebody heals you, then you would get your, your, basically you'd be back in the fight. But when you were raised, or if you were, um, every time that you were raised, either through raised dead or resurrection spell, you would lose 5%. So if you started at a 85% raised dead, 90% resurrection, Every time you were raised, you would lose 5%. And then if you ever failed, that character could never be raised. He was dead. And that's, I think it's an optional rule in 5e for there being a cost to being raised. 
Okay, I've, I've never seen it is, on a few games. Is that a uh, no? No, no, no. Is that a DMG rule or is that a player's? I don't remember uh, reading that. I don't. I don't remember. I think it's one of the optional rules in the okay. in one of those two books. But yeah, yeah. I think I need to reread that. File. I, re- I read you- it. I read it whenever we started the campaign, and then I just haven't because, it, like, legitimately. Well, because you, we you legitimately do the same things over and over and over and over and over. Well, if we don't get Maya. Not, down, not like first edition, Sean. Oh. You didn't do the same things over and over and over because your character died, so you made a different one. <laughs> different every week. I think it comes down to our group. We don't get mired down kind of <laughs> stuff for the most part. Like I have. That's not how I DM. I just make a ruling and then I look it up later. That's that's how I'm doing it. That's how right. I do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't let the table argue because my philosophy is if you don't like it, find another fucking team. I just tell yeah. Owen that all of his fucking special priest abilities that when his priest create new items don't work anymore. Yep, fuck, <laughs> I don't care what your character design was. The other alternative to death is your DM's like, you know what? Resurrection makes death have no meaning, so resurrection doesn't work in this campaign. Get good. Well, priest spells would be muted. If you were back in first edition in Ravenloft, your priest spells would be muted. Well, I play in fifth edition, so... I know, cool I understand. Sorry, bro. Uh, I, I live in 2021, thank you. <laughs> I, I bought this new game, and I... There's these gammons, and they go backwards or something. I don't really know what it's about. The the theme seems pretty light, but I move these pieces along. And then once you get to one side, you go to the other side, and you move up, and then you've got to stack yeah. them all up. Yeah. It's pretty deep, man, pretty deep. And if you, catch one, backs. If you, if you catch one one single one, you can put them in the bar, you know. Put yeah. them in jail. Put them in jail. Is, is it, I, don't, I think it's still in beta testing. I'm not sure. <laughs> I love backgammon, by the way. <laughs> That's a game uh, I always wanted to learn how to play. I've never done. I've never done it. It's it's simple to learn. The strategy is unreal. It's, so I've heard. Like I've heard yeah. the strategy ad is you spread all of your pieces out in as thin a row as you can, <laughs> and then just just see and what just, happens. Just see what happens. Yeah. Don't worry about stacking them in yeah. two. Don't, don't worry about that. No. Double stack stuff for losers. That's right. That's right. I'm well, real, from ripping sarcasm that is not good at No, definitely not. It's generally you'll not. have to buy you'll have to buy back gammon and find out. That's right. That's what, this is what I want next time we record. I want the uh, the battle report from you and Chad. The back gammon battle report. <laughs> I want it to be like an old Nova Squadron battle report though. I want turn by turn. By turn, yeah. Yeah. Only, only twelve turn limit though. You'd love it. I mean, it has dice and everything. Well, I, dice I, and yeah. pieces. Like that I, and oh, yeah. Go. Like, those are the two games. Like, I know Go is a gigantic that I've just never learned how to play. I don't know enough about it, but those are, like, two games that, like, in my, as I'm re- getting into my retirement years, like, I, in the next 20 years or so, like, I want to learn how to play those in classic. The, that and Cribbage? When we eventually uh, have our meetup, I'll awesome. teach you how to play military card games. I'll put teacher to play shithead. Um, I'll call it its politically correct name of Chase the Ace, not Chase. Hunt for the uh, C word. Yeah. Um, um, so, so, so our big one was Spades, Chris. That's what we played. Spades, most yeah. Of the time. Spades. That's a good game. Um, yeah. The other one, shithead. Um, that that other one. Um, we used to play Uckers. 
which is effectively Ludo with extra rules. Um, we made we made our own version of Monopoly out of um, foam and um, <laughs> foam dice, which was going around instead of going around the Monopoly board, it was uh, the RAF station we worked on. So like the different squadrons would be like uh, like Travel One Squadron was all was the crappy brain ones, and Forty Three Squadron was like Mayfair and Parkway and whatever it's called in your American version. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't realize until I moved here that Monopoly, um, and all the places in the world didn't just have the UK board. I actually had that version. Yeah, I I, I had that that version. Um, I had two different versions. White Chapel and Old Kent Road are the crappy ones, and Mayfair and Parkway are good ones. Yeah, you know, I got I got a copy when I went to London in '79. And then my aunt brought me a copy in the mid '80s. Um, it was a red box copy, and yeah. instead of instead of having the race car, it had the cabs. Yeah. So you had the you had the Tower of London. You had uh, the cab instead of the dog, the Scotty dog. This is how you age people as well. You ask them what Monopoly pieces they played with. Yeah. Yep. Did you have a top hat at least? No, it was. Uh... So did you have a steam a steam powered like um turning wheel yes yeah, oh, yeah. So, this is how, yeah. no this is how you age people this is how yeah. you judge how old someone is yeah so you had the cannon in monopoly originally you had a cannon the race car the dog the top hat and then you had a steamboat or something or a turning wheel. i can't remember what it, it had a wheel so it was probably like a water wheel or something yeah it's like a water wheel but it was like a steam uh, an industrial revolution kind of one yeah uh, that chain i think they added in the iron like the old style um the old style like, press iron the the yeah. where you would heat it up on coals um, and then press your clothes nice. yeah Apparently, yeah. I'm dealing with the '82 revision. So we had the boot, we had the Scotty dog, the boot, yeah. the top hat. I was always a top hat man myself. Yeah. Um, we had a battleship, not a steamboat. The yeah, thimble, the... the iron, the car, and the wheelbarrow. The, these yeah. are the those yeah. are the pieces that I remember. Yeah, I think Wait, the wheelbarrow always what replaced the um the the, wheel, the steam wheel thing. But you yeah. have. Yeah. So what were your UK pieces? <laughs> now I need to know this. I don't remember them all. I just remember the cabs were one of them. I think like the Tower of London or something. Either was I on think the... that that would have been a, a special edition one. I think I don't remember the Tower of London. It was yeah. the the boot. This is fucking high quality X Wing podcasting. Oh, um, great, great. The quality. boot, the Scotty dog, the car, the iron, the thimble, and the steamboat are ones I remember from. Then I. I got an older edition from a car boot sale or a garage sale, as you might be more want to call it. Aren't they more? Wouldn't they be more equivalent to like a flea market? Because like the reason. Well, yeah. So you you drive you drive the, the yeah and open your trunk and sell stuff out of the trunk of your car. Yeah, that would be. But a everyone market. does it at the same place, not in like a Walmart parking lot. Yeah, like th- that would be. Yeah, a, sorry, be a flea market. A, a, a Sam's Club here. parking lot. So, Chris, this is this is the memorabilia from my trip to London that my uncle put together for me. Because I it was seventy nine, it was June of seventy nine, so I would have been ten when I went. Um, no, but I did the, the orphan Annie. Yeah, saw a little orphan Annie at the theater. The sun will come out tomorrow. Yep. 
I saw Bet your bottom dollar tomorrow. What else did I see? I saw uh, Sherlock Holmes. I saw Sherlock's home, Sherlock Holmes play. I saw the Crown Jewels, so that's what that was a postcard from. Rode the London Tube, went to the Beating Retreat. Um, that was my ticket from it, and it was funny because I didn't know that the um, the national anthem for England was the same tune as what is it, My Country Tis of the Year or whatever in the United States. I think you'll find Sean. Let's see the way around. What? Ob- obviously, anything to do with your country would have come after. And no, 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 I understand, but so, you got to remember, as a ten-year-old, so, though, as as a ten-year-old, <laughs> it's a little different when you're thinking because they started singing their national anthem, and I was singing the American version of it, and my uncle covered my mouth because I never knew that it was insulting to Brits that that was, you know, saying because in school we're taught, you know, the patriotic and all of those. Not things. God save the Queen. Right. Yeah, we're we're taught. Uh, uh, my country tis of I don't. I, I don't have to do it anymore. But if the national anthem came on and I was still in the military, theoretically, I would have to stand up. Yep, and put your. So, so when I was in um, Saudi, we went to the cinema on on uh, the airbase, and obviously it was an American cinema. So they played the national anthem, and everyone stood up, and I was just like, "What? What's going on here? <laughs> I'm here to watch a movie." Right, sitting there, right. can't see, dickhead. Yeah, and that's that's what it was. Not in the cheering and clapping. That that was always also surprising. Yeah. If anyone's interested, like I've really, d- really dive down this rabbit hole of the Monopoly piece. They're about to, <laughs> they're about to replace the thimble, and you can vote. Oh, yeah. on, you can vote online. I believe this T Rex is one of the pieces. Now, did T Rex replace the iron? Yes, they retired the iron. I'm so, what- so fucking good. My Monopoly knowledge. I, well, is astounding compared to my X-wing knowledge. I don't they, know which, which one's a compliment. They replace. <laughs> they replace. They had to replace something else. Their cat. The current one has a cat. The current yeah. one has the boot, a cat, a Scotty dog, the race car, the thimble, top hat, um, the battleship, and wheelbarrow. And they're about to replace the thimble. And the article that I'm reading because the thimble was one of the original six. The original six included the top hat, thimble, the iron, retired, the shoe, the battleship. Well, the uh, coolest one was the battleship when you got that. Well, yeah, I agree, but I was always the top runner. The top current um, runners up are a bag of money, a piggy bank, a biplane. You can't have a bag of money as your piece in Monopoly, you yeah. fucking idiots. <laughs> if you're a bag of money, why are you are why are you playing Monopoly? Right, you've already right. won. I'm not arguing. God. I'm just saying. Not like being a T-Rex. That's perfectly fine. Right, because it's it's so you know uh, oppressive. You know, uh, what, so Monopoly represents the the pre. I think it's the pre Wall Street crash of 1929 world is what it is, and everything basically is is very classist in all the pieces. So if you're the top hat, yeah, it's if you're a top hat, you're a, represent a rich guy. If you're the battleship, you represent the military. If you're the if you're the wheelbarrow, even though money bags has the wheelbarrow with money falling out of it, you represent basically a shit worker. Same with the iron. Same with the shoe. You know, you're being oppressed. That's the you know you're licking the boot heel of the of the shoe. Um, but they all had a representation and meaning, which of course was derogatory to most people back then. But the it was like. 
satire, a right. scathing review of the capitalist system, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, that's that's what it was all about. Yeah, it was. Which uh, is why it was funny when they brought out a socialist version of Monopoly because it kind of misses the point of what Monopoly it was already what it, about. Exactly. Yep. All right. So sorry, but I, I the article I was reading was from 2017, so I had to get a more updated one. So the current current one, the Scottish the battleship, the race, uh, the top hat, a penguin, which was introduced in 2017. Really, that's what led. So that was a surprise winner. Oh the, yeah, came from behind. What was its way to victory? The T Rex <laughs> that came in in 2017, a cat that replaced the Iron Teen, and the rubber ducky that okay. came in 17. What? Why can't we just have our oppressive, our oppressive, non-politically? I, I don't pieces? feel like that's the correct conversation for the three white, so four because <laughs> Alan's still here. If we're going down, we're taking him with us. Well, it yeah, was uh... the four white guys standing around talking about why they can't have the oppressive monopoly pieces back. While right. they put the boot heel on the poor people's throats. No, you can't. No, I want the money now. You landed on Park Lane with a hotel, motherfucker. (laughs) Park Place, get it right. You moved over the. Yeah. So, did you know that um, in Monopoly, just some 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 hot tips for you Monopoly players? Because obviously, it's a gaming podcast, so I I like to give it the best advice. The houses in Monopoly are intentionally finite, so the way that you win is you buy four houses and don't upgrade totals. Because if you can flood the board with shitty houses before anyone else and they can't buy them, they can never get the two hotels. Because the only correct. way to go to a hotel is to trade in four houses and pay the upgrade cost. Correct. You cannot bypass the four houses. Yeah. You cannot bypass the houses. That's yeah. And, so if you and, just refuse. And free parking does not mean you get money. Nope. Um, you also can buy on your first go around the board. And if you choose not to buy the property, it gets auctioned off to a lowest auctioned bidder. Off. Correct. So the correct strategy is if you know no one else wants a property, you also choose to not buy it because then you then, might get it cheaper. Right. Because the auction value is cheaper. Yeah. Don't yep. be a dirty player like no, there's a... So you had an entirely different board. This is the hero quest conversation all over again, isn't it? It is. Like, I'm really <laughs> surprised by this. <laughs> old uh, Kent, let's let's old see. Kent so, no, don't tell, don't tell me more. So, I'll see how many I can get. So, it's Old Kent Road, um, Income Tax, uh, Whitechapel, um, uh, Chance, um, Liverpool, Liverpool Lime Street. The picture I'm looking at kind of out of photo. It's one place. of the four stations. Stations are Malibone. Piccadilly. Piccadilly and I can't remember you always say Eastern Eastern. I can't remember. So I hate to say it, you you were wrong to start off. Community chest is in the second place. Oh man. So that means that uh tax is the fourth one then. Correct. And then what about what about the blues? Um the blues. Uh that's it starts off a long one, I think. It does. Um I don't know. I'm I'm done. I've failed already. The angel Angel Islington, yeah, yeah. yeah. Angel Islington. Um, so my mum loves Monopoly as well, and I fucking hate it. So this is a tangent from our tangent from our tangent now. But my mum, like this is like five, six, seven, eight-year-old press, but my mum would never let me win at Monopoly um, because she didn't want me to think that anything came easy. So 
stuff oh, we used to play board games as a child. She'd just play as if I was an adult, like a normal person, and just crush me. Well, I mean, that's that's what you do. You crush your child's soul, and then they don't ever want for anything. You know. Yeah. I don't know how long it was in your family, but we had, like, knockdown, drag-out fights over I'll post it. I'll, I'll find a link. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna do this. So someone else has to fill for me. I find this link to post in the Discord now. I'll I'll jump in. My oldest Monopoly game was Star Wars, the the original trilogy Monopoly. Really? Yes. That was your first Monopoly. Yep. That's cool. That I remember <laughs> anyway. I gotta admit, like, so like a couple of years, like, like probably last year for Christmas, we always board game. We have a big fan of the. We have people try to do, and I think it was Christmas. Because that Fortnite was really, really big. Honestly, what I was expecting was regular Monopoly with like, you know, Moisty Meyer is one of the it's not. It's a Monopoly board in function alone. Um, in the fact that it's a square board, you still go around the boards, there's still a jail and stuff, but there's a whole like the the whole concept of like building walls and like I actually had a lot of fun with the game. So it's not like the the Steelers edition or if you're from whatever college for the Yolies, it's really just Monopoly. One one funny Monopoly story I heard. This is going to go over most. If someone gets this reference, it will be amazing. But I doubt it. But um, um, ESL Monopoly. ESL is an esports company who do um, like tank to strike events, and they released an ESL Monopoly, which is funny because ESL tried to uh, set up a league where they'd ex- have exclusive rights to the teams who played in it so they couldn't play in any of their competitors' leagues by trying to create an actual Monopoly. So when that <laughs> fell through, they just released a board game version. You know, it's fine. We still got our mission, mission accomplished. We got my Monopoly. I don't get the um, reference. I get the idea. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I posted in general on Discord oh. uh, a one-minute clip of the old fast show. It was called The Fast Show, like an old uh, British comedy program but it's competitive dad and he's just like playing cricket with his kids or uh, there's ones where he's like playing squash or, uh, yeah, which one fun. did you put in it um the general channel so if you scroll back to the top oh gotcha in there. but yeah oh i miss the fast show oh uk audience will get the reference if not you'll have to just watch the clip well that was my mum, competitive dad i'm playing pool like I used to think my mom was good at pool. It turns out I was just seven. Turns out I was just seven. Yeah. So I guess it would help if I knew what the game of cricket was like. I'm getting the. You imagine baseball, but instead of running, getting a home run, you can just keep running to first base and back to score. Every time you got to one first base, you get a point. Every time you get back, you get a point. Guys just cranking them out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's sons throwing a tennis ball. Like like a child throwing a ball, the dad's smashing it out of the park, and I think it like cuts back to him running. And he's like 27, 28, 29, 30. Now oh, I need to learn a little bit more about cricket because that's really that's it. Like I, I don't know if I ever told you like what, cricket so is baseball, but like a real sport. What? Oh, oh yeah, I said it. Except oh. it except it uses a wood ball and yeah, wear bad. One so of the can jobs bludgeon I had, people at the corners. One of the jobs mm-hmm. I had previous to work from, um, and I got to be really good friends with the every time at lunch, I'd be a big cricket. So when they would be sitting there yeah. on the break, they would have up on the iPad whatever the cricket game. And I would sit there. I never paid attention, or, like, but they were really into it. Like It was a gigantic yeah. game. So cricket is really two sports. 
you've got test match cricket which is like a four-day event uh, it's split into um i think it would be innings so some like some of the british guys are gonna fucking rip me apart and I, I don't like it and if i do it's one day cricket but um basically they um you play like you're doing baseball the bat inside and the field inside but you've got to ball out the entire roster before so it's, you don't get three outs and then you swap you've got to get out the entire roster Ah. Then you swap. So um, the thing with with the UK or with the England cricket team is, I do not remember a time where both of the British openers were any good. Every time one of me like the one of them would get bowled out for like four instead of like a century, like off like fifty or whatever. So it was just terrible. But basically, you the idea is that if you get too big of a lead. Uh, you've got to get the other guys all out all the games right to win. Okay. So you can't if you if you're really good at batting and you're in for the full four days, you don't win because they have to have had a chance to bat as well. So oh you deplore God. on your score. So the strategy is if if we get to like 150 and deplore, then they'll come in. They'll think they can get to 150, so they'll be more open with their play, so we can try and bowl them out. Huh. So. And it's so only, more, it's one time for the roster on one side and one time for the roster on the other, and that's it. I think you get two runs through from memory. It's been a, I've lived in Canada for a long time now, so I can hardly remember the rules of soccer. Never mind cricket. Well, you got you got a Canadian football too. Yeah, you know you could. You I could saw watch the a... balls. The, the Canadian football is bigger, I believe, than an NFL ball. Well, um, the field's, there's the one field's less down. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's one, one less down. down in Canadian, um, and there's something different. The field, the field oh, is bigger. The, the, the field penalty. is bigger. Either the uprights, the penalties have a point. Well, the the uprights are in the front of the end zone instead of the back. I actually watch Canadian football a lot when it's on. <laughs> I like I've it better. I've been watching than the that. Stampeders a few times. I, I prefer watching CAF to the NHL because the crowd's better. There's more interaction. Yeah, yeah. To to put it politely, uh, the crowd's poorer, so they enjoy it more. They're yeah. my kind of people. Canadian football field is played on a 110 by C5. It, just let you know, Greg's in the cabal channel. Okay, well, oh, that means we it. probably should button up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to drag him down as well, so he can not feel left out. <laughs> Hi, Greg. We're just wrapping up now. Sorry, Greg. Thanks for watching. Well, we were recording a quick episode for when I'm away, so I thought we'd uh, get this done. But then Alan was stuck up there on his own, so I dragged him down. Then we saw you were there, so I thought I'll drag you down as well. I was just waiting for Greg, and then you dragged me down, and then Greg was by himself. So, you I mean, really, it's, it's really your fault that you left Greg up there. I don't care. I'm just being <laughs> polite now. You guys play with 12 men on the field. But... Yeah, yeah, there's 12 men, yeah. We're discussing Canadian football and how it's superior to the NHL now. I don't know. Wait, how does football and hockey have anything to do with you? I don't fucking know. NFL. There you go. Oh, well, that makes more sense. Yeah, that are all abbreviations. All the TLAs. Oh. <laughs> all right, so we'll go ahead and button this up because now we've got more than one player. I do want to thank all of the, my friends for joining us tonight, for all the extras. Alan, thanks for coming by and just, or at least listening sure. to SBS about monopolies between UK Monopoly and the US Monopoly. Yeah, I've got to ask Greg now as well. What, what pieces do you remember from Monopoly, Greg? Yeah, this is an important question, Greg. 
So the last time I played Monopoly, I played with Chris. So I don't know what that actually was. I remember like, I don't know, the ship and like the top hat. And But I remember there like being a thimble and a bunch of other stuff when I was a kid. Do you remember there being like a steam wheel or something? All right. So we're trying to establish if that was like a UK piece or not. I think there was a train engine. Oh, yeah, I remember a train as well. Yeah. I, there you go. This is another one of those things like where how um, Hero Quest was different for Chris than it was for us. I'm now finding out that not only were the street names different names, um, the UK versus the US, but they also had different pieces. And it's like blowing oh, yeah. my mind. <laughs> like, I would have thought when Parker Brothers produced the game in the 90s, like it would have been the same game. They would distribute it internationally, but I guess it's not. And I, I, I guess as an adult, it kind of makes sense. Like, well, Park Place does anything in the UK, whereas Park Lane does. There's, just... there's briefly was a Canadian version of. I'm sure there's still the Canadian version of Monopoly, um, but I mean we are so inundated, inundated with American culture that I doubt it. Probably Canadians could care less, right? <laughs> that's pretty. It's that's a shit game anyway. That's yeah, sorry. Logo, the logo is, uh, your it is nearly as a much a game of skill as my build in Inquisitor Martyr. <laughs> hey. I, I was so sure you were about to say X-Wing then just to close the show out, but... No. <laughs> I don't right, want well, to offend all those people I haven't met yet. Well, Greg, thank you for dropping by and saying hello. You're welcome. It feels like almost like an episode of a squad. Yeah. yeah. John, always good talking to you, my friend. Yeah, it was good to be here. And Chris, enjoy your not vacation vacation in the UK to have fun. So ha- have fun. You're there now at the time that people... Yeah, it will be good, and it's always good to be here. I'll just blast through all the usual stuff. So thanks to all the patrons again. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can email us at lackoffocuspodcast at gmail.com. You can join the Discord and watch my uh, links to old fast show clips of uh, competitive dad playing cricket. Uh, it's all in the show notes and um, yeah we'll see you all next time and there's a chance we do record a show while I'm in the UK and this will just come out anyway but whatever if not if not put it in the can if we ever we accidentally uh, it's timeless timeless Time. X-Wing content yeah, there's not, that's right we can talk, talk about anything that, w- w- that wouldn't be relevant later on in uh, the year that's right alright that's gonna do it for this one thank you everyone for joining us and as always guys fly casual Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.